feature presentation. This weird aberration society. Welcome back to Mutual Aberration Society. Um, I'm Ryan, and today I'm going to be talking about movies uh, and how appropriate is it that my guests today are from the movies podcast, uh, Lorez and Hans. Uh, what's up, fellas? How are y'all? How was your holidays? Happy New Year. It's 2024. All first show of 2024 i think first, for, yes, yes, yes. for all three of us here wow uh i think it was i think it was pretty good my christmas was pretty good i think i don't know how about you hans did you watch uh all sorts of christmas movies oh no we didn't actually <laughs> i thought we we're gonna get around to it but uh we watched what the grinch and nightmare before christmas and then we didn't really watch christmas anything else so yeah yeah pretty much uh, watching watching christmas movies uh to segue into today's today's uh, topic we're not talking about christmas movies necessarily though there are a lot of christmas movies that fall in the genre i brought uh hans and lorez on to talk specifically about the best horror films of 2023 and the reason i wanted to do that was because the last time mm. i was on you guys's podcast i had a conversation uh kind of with you guys about how uh my feelings about horror and specifically like the fandom or horror fans and sort of the people that work in, in the industry, in the genre and how that the taste of the average horror fan is really bad and really shitty. Um, and then these lists, because we're in the top of the year, of course, now's the time of where everyone gets these lists out. Right. Um, and variety released their 16 best horror films, on letterboxd i believe um and upon reading them i wasn't surprised i kind of bitched about it a little bit with a previous guest um and then i started to look at these other lists um and i was like you know what fuck this i'm gonna do a top 10 <laughs> and i'm gonna bring Lorez and hans on and see what their top 10 i don't even know if you guys have a top 10 i mean i don't have a top 10. i'll tell I, you right I, now i, I figured, I figured you 10. wouldn't i figured you wouldn't which is fine I, I, we can we can we can go down that list but i will say I this think i go ahead, i don't think on. i saw 10 horror movies in 2020 <laughs> like from 2023 you were horrified by more than 10 of them probably but not i think <laughs> i think i've seen like what maybe five six yeah i mean i'm in the yeah. same boat as you i kind of knew better here when we were talking at the start of the year and you're like yeah this is this movie skinamarink and uh it's just a total piece of shit and i was like yeah i mean uh, and that probably in my opinion anyway is maybe like the top of the year for horror movies it was all downhill from that moment yeah well let me just say this let me let me um preface before i go down this start we start talking about these that my list for best films is different from my list of best horror and I will mm -hmm. say that my some of these may make a couple of them would make probably like my top 25, maybe uh, maybe top. You know, if I was to expand the list of just best films of the year, maybe a couple of these. But there's no way any of these are in my top 10 for sure, um, because unlike a lot of the people who I criticizing, <laughs> um, I watch a variety of movies outside the genre. And when it comes to like movies that are the best of the year, genre is not really a consideration for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like some, some movies may happen to be 
in my opinion, the best of the year that are in a genre that I don't even like, like musicals, for example, like there might've been, a there isn't one by the way, but there might be a musical <laughs> that's like great. And I'm like, I don't like musicals, but this is one of the best movies. Therefore I put it in my top 10 or whatever. Um, so I just want to say that this isn't the best of the year in terms of all films that I've saw. This is only specifically horror. Now, uh, do you guys have a, a, I know you guys haven't probably done your episode yet for your best of the year. Um, you guys have any genre movies in there? Uh, well, I've got mine categorized. Um, let me take a look real quick. I would say like the closest thing that comes to horror and it's not horror mm -hmm. is Godzilla minus one. You, know, see, well, you already, you already, you already, I was going to bring that up when I started to go over these lists. <laughs> go, go ahead, Hans. What about you? Have you seen any that were like even, even close to consideration for you, even though I know you haven't seen many? I am <clears throat> uh, excited to see Godzilla. Unfortunately, I live in a country where they don't play that type of movie in theater. So I have to wait for it to illegally uh, leak online for me yeah. to watch it. Uh, I've been uh, uh, reading a lot of things that people say, uh, Laura's included here, where all the praise has been positive. So yeah. usually that would have me worried. But the fact that it's not an American production gives me a little bit of more hope than and yeah. I'm able to trust those reviews a little bit more than something like Skin of Marink that you guys mentioned that got uh, so many positive reviews. And, uh, yeah. and it was just... Not as many as Not Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving well, is really the top of the year, top of the heap for reviews. It seems like. Is it? Yeah, it uh, was like a, yeah. it was like ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes the first day it came out. I don't know. I don't know yeah, what they're that's, thinking. That's but, definitely yeah, that's definitely not not real. That's definitely mm -hmm. bots. <laughs> but um, um uh, someone has <laughs> never seen a slasher movie. Is that yeah, it? for sure. Um, like, oh, people get killed. That's cool. What I will do yeah. is I will read because I wanted to point out some of these before I go down the list. I wanted to mm -hmm. read some of the big kind of bigger, I guess, if you want to call them media outlets or, or sites or what have you that compile lists. And these are the, so the variety, which I already mentioned, which is the top 16, this is the top 16 for variety. I don't know if you've seen any of these, but here it is. Number yes. 16 is Birth Rebirth. Uh, I'm familiar with that movie. Looks kind of like a yeah. Frankenstein ripoff. Number 15 is Cabin, or Knock at the Cabin, which is the M. Night movie. Uh, number 14 is Influencer. That's the Shutter movie. Um, number 13 is The Blackening. That's the uh, Tim Story, I guess, horror comedy. 12 is Scream 6. Um, yeah. 11 mm -hmm. is uh, Brooklyn 4-5. I think that's that guy, Ted Gigohan. I think that's his uh, like ghost movie. Number 9. Mm -hmm. or no, wait, I skipped one. That was number 11. By the way, um, Ted, Ted Gigohan has one of the most off-putting social media presences <laughs> I've ever seen in somebody. His, the way, his way of criticizing people or yeah. trying to hold any sort of moral high ground when approaching yeah. uh, you know, certain parties. Very unlikable guy, that, that Ted Gigohan. He's very, he's very L.A. He's very L.A. Yeah, for certain. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, number uh, 10 is No One Will Save You. Okay, Brian Duffield's uh, I saw that one. Yeah, I, I glorified, yeah, I, glorified sci-fi channel movie. Uh, yeah. Number nine is Deliver Us. Uh, number eight is In My Mother's Skin. Number seven is Thanksgiving. Uh, number six is Evil Dead Rise. I know that's Han's favorite. Um, number five <laughs> is Infinity Pool. 
Number four is Bo is Afraid, not a horror movie. Uh, number three is When Evil Lurks. Number two is Talk to Me. Uh, number one is Skin Marink. Wow. Number mm. one is Skin Marink again. Okay, that that is that is varieties, right? That's sixteen. The rest of these, thankfully, are less because they're only top tens. So I went to Rolling Stone. Okay, and I make sure to to, to write these down. Number ten, Knock at the Cabin again. Number nine, Godzilla minus one. Not a horror movie, but it's reoccurring. Not a horror movie again. Uh, number eight, uh, Husera the Moan Woman. Number seven, The Last Voyage of Demeter. Number six, El Conde, which is a vampire mm-hmm. horror horror comedy. Um, number five, Infinity Pool. Number four, In Eastman. Uh, number three, No One Will Save You Again. Number two, When Evil Lurks. Number one, Skin of a Rink. Yeah. Okay. No one will save you. Was number three. <laughs> what? What would you say? Oh. Oh, no yeah. one would save you. Save you was number three. That's uh, yeah. I mean, uh, to be I, fair, to be fair, I will say this: when it comes to the genre, it's very, it's a very light year uh, in terms of like ones that are even probably that would qualify as good. So I, I do want to cut the list a little slack, but well, I, I'm confused why these lists even exist for that exact reason. Like, if it was right. a breakout year for horror, that would be one thing, but it's not. It's not right. like 2019 where you had like a stacked group for Oscar nominees. It's like, man, you could imagine any one of these winning mm. Best Picture. You know, it's not that type of year. It's like the first return to movies, maybe right. from well, COVID, but yeah, no, nothing well, special. But it's because as we've kind of talked about this before, it's because of, of horror. Horror is mm. its own ecosystem, right? So now they always got to have, because we never, we have people, or I say we have people, but like we know of people who only watch horror movies exclusively. So Oof. when you have that kind of, you know, fan base, every year they got to cater to it. So normally you're right, Lorez. Logically, you'd be like, there's not a lot of good shit. Why make a top 10 only horror? But these people only watch horror. And, and also the people that work within the industry in the horror genre only work on this shit too. So it's kind of like to, to satisfy them and make them feel like they're doing something a lot of these, a lot of times. Right. So the end of the year comes and they compile this list with a bunch of bullshit ass movies. Um, and I got a couple more lists and then I'll get to my list. Uh, but I just wanted to hit the ones that are like the big, so I did variety. I did Rolling Stone and then I hit bloody disgusting because we know they're credible, right? <laughs> uh, number 10, suitable flesh. Uh, number nine, the blackening. Number eight, Thanksgiving. Number seven, Birth Rebirth. Number six, Talk to Me. Number five, Saw X. Number four, Infinity Pool. Number three, No One Will Save You. Two, Scream Six. One, Godzilla minus one. Again, how do you make Godzilla? I, I, I as much as criticism I, as I do have for Skinnerink, and I will continue to criticize Skinnerink. Got making Godzilla minus one as a horror outlet. I don't know. Maybe this is just one person's list that works at Bloody Disgusting that they decided to post. But how the fuck can you justify Godzilla Minus One as your number one horror movie? It's not a horror movie. Just because it has a giant monster in it doesn't mean it's a horror movie. But I digress. Uh, and the last one I decided to, to point out is the Collider list, which is 10 movies. Uh, again, some similar titles here. 10, The Boogeyman. How, how many times are you going to make a movie called The Boogeyman? Like, I don't fucking know. Uh, number nine. any of them good too like i feel like they're all terrible i doubt it uh number nine evil dead rise uh scream six at number eight seven the outwaters uh six knock at the cabin five hussar the bone woman four infinity pool three skin and marink two megan wow one 
the pale blue eye, which I think that's Scott Cooper's movie. I mean, I don't Hold know. on, weren't Megan in the pale blue eye 2022? See, that's the thing. I thought that thing, I thought that too. I'm not quite certain of that though. Um, and in when I did January? Yeah, I, I thought I thought I definitely thought that Megan was right. Or was that yeah. the top or was that the top of the year? It might have been the top oh, of the 2020. Year. Oh, and January 6th. Yeah, see, 6th. and if some of these movies are confusing because even when I got to my list, um, like I some of the movies, because I tended to go a lot, I think the the majority of mine are all like not american-based movies so like the release dates are strange like they'll say 2022 some of them but they got released in 2023 so there might be some of that so it's kind of hard when you start to compile these lists like to really boil down what an official fucking 2023 movie is sometimes um but yeah um have you guys seen any of those movies that i just read from those lists those are just you know there's many lists out there but those are the ones i decided to i saw i saw someone put renfield on their list and i was oh. just like what the f-? you know what i mean like i was like come on bro come on renfield has to be one of the worst movies probably of 2023 i think it's the worst movie i think it's absolutely <laughs> at least theatrically released the worst movie for certain i, I of the titles that you rattled off there i've probably seen four or five yeah max yeah. i did not recognize the vast majority of any of those those movies Hans? That Outwaters, I think I remember yes. the last time you had me on, I think I remember <laughs> you not uh, talking very positively about yes. that yeah. Outwaters movie. Uh, I'm yeah. surprised that that was mentioned. Um, mm. I, it, I think it really speaks to how shitty this year was for horror, where all of this list just have like the same five, seven movies and then just sprinkle a couple of there that just to make them different, I guess. But where's Exorcist? Where's I'm Cocaine Bear? That. That's what I'm wondering. If Godzilla is <laughs> a horror movie, Cocaine Bear. Cocaine ba- yeah, Cocaine Bear is definitely. If, if Godzilla qualifies, Cocaine Bear definitely does. There's got to be somebody with the Exorcist on their list. I will say this. Um, uh, I listen to. I don't really like to listen to this podcast as much, uh, but I listen to because I feel like they're. You can't trust them, um, even though they're fun, like I know. Like, uh, have you guys ever listened to? Uh, Colors of the Dark podcast. Nope. Okay, so not familiar. Colors of the Dark podcast. It used to be uh, Shockwaves, which was associated with Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, Elric Kane and Rebecca McKendry, who who are, I guess, teachers slash filmmakers, LA people, horror horror industry people, had a podcast with another guy, um, Ryan Turek, who works for Blumhouse. Um, Used to work for Victor Salva as an assistant. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> used to be known as Ryan Rotten for uh, Dread Central. Uh, and they had. Why a- would he assist with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he might be on the. No, he's not on the list of the Epstein list. Um, uh, but uh, fucking. Uh, and Rob Gal- Galuzzo, who ironically enough, um, I know I know Rob. Uh, I met Rob in person. Cool guy. I've also met Elric in person. He's, 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 he's cool, whatever. And I've had interactions with Becca, uh, but their podcast, you can't trust their podcast because they're so entrenched in that LA horror scene that they can't be honest. You know what I mean? Like um, they really can't. And ironically, uh, Rob used to work for uh, Fangoria when Dallas and Cinestate took it over. And when that whole Mm. thing, like that whole controversy work, uh, you know, with the dude being recorded by the girl, and shit where he was like wanted to see her titty or whatever the fuck right remember that shit like i don't know if you guys were familiar <laughs> yeah. with that yeah uh, when, yeah when the whole, when oh Stennis, yeah when that whole <laughs> yes. when that whole mess got out rob was one of the people who was like collateral damage like uh he actually uh and i think rob's a cool dude like i know that he doesn't like 
I guess, uh, Elric and Rebecca or whatever anymore, uh, because they like abandoned him more or less when that whole shit, he got canceled more or less. Um, but, uh, I listened to their podcast just because I know it's horror centric and I know they're going to have movies on there. And I looked at their list and their list were again, a lot of the similar titles. Uh, Renfield was on one of their list for sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, one of their suitable flesh was on, uh, I think it was Re- Rebecca's list. And that's a, that is a Joe Lynch movie that was a Stuart Gordon movie, but he never got to make it cause he died. But the guy who write who writes all Stuart Gordon movies wrote the script for it. Uh, and, uh, Joe Lynch directed it, but. Oh my God. Did you see suitable flesh? I did. I, I, I tried to watch okay. it. I tried. Me I tried. T- yeah, me too. I, I, I couldn't do it. Like, is that the movie yeah, I got, Graham? Yeah. I got like 15 yeah, yeah. minutes in. I, and I, I was quit like, about this. The is... Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Um, I've liked some of Joe Lynch's movies um, in the past, but I just couldn't get through it. And um, I did notice that Rebecca McKendry put it on her list. And the first thing she said was, well, my crew for my movie was all worked on this movie. So I put it on, I mean, that's what I'm this is inherently the problem. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, Why yeah. have a podcast if you're so worried about it damaging your employment? You know what, what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, it, this is inherently the problem with, with all of Hollywood in general, but like specifically in this genre, because everyone is like not, everyone is friends and like um, are potentially, uh, we're going to work together. So like, I don't want to say shit about movies so it, again it, it has this weird dulling effect of like you can't get an honest opinion about any of these movies so when i looked at their list elric had some interesting movies on there um i mean his i think he had Candyland on there which was an interesting choice uh but again he's got godzilla minus one on his as well which again not a horror movie at all uh it's just like again so this all of this is me basically justifying to the listeners why I'm doing a top 10 horror movie list list episode. Uh, because I'm like, no, nah, fuck that. There are 10 movies that are at least worth talking about that aren't, um, that people probably haven't seen or are just legitimately decent that came out because a lot, let's be fair, a lot of bullshit came out. But if you watched enough of them, you could probably find uh, at least 10 watchable ones. And I managed to, to think I found 10 watchable ones. So I will start. Uh, with my number 10. Um, now I will say this, I'm going to be a little bit hypocritical. My number 10 spot is the spot that I'm the most lenient. Like if I'm going to have a top 10, right. 10 is going to be the one that's like, all right, you know what? Like this movie is a movie that I'm like on a technical level. If I'm going to give a movie that I feel like may not be up to a certain standard, that's the spot that I'll go to. That's the Mm -hmm. movie we're like, all right, cool. So that's kind of what my thinking was with my number 10, which is, uh, the sound of summer. Uh, have you guys heard of The Sound of Summer? You probably haven't. I have not. So The Sound of Summer is a movie that is a Japanese movie, but it's directed by uh, an an English director. I mean, his name is Guy, Guy Pierce. Ironically, he just goes by Guy. He has his own podcast as well called Show Me Something Wrong with another director who also lives in Japan, a dude from Australia named Dave Jackson, who did the movie uh, Catsick Blues. Well, he directed a movie that he shot because he lives in Japan, in Japan. Um, and more or less, it's a uh, body horror movie. Um, it's it's really low budget. Um, and you can tell, I think it follows uh, a girl who works at like a, a tea shop or like maybe it's a, uh, 
what kind of shops do people frequent in Japan? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tea shop. Yeah. <laughs> you work at a tea shop. Um, it's hot as fuck in the summer in Japan. Um, there's all these cicadas. There's a lot of interesting sound design in the movie. Uh, there's this character called the Cicada Man who comes to visit the shop, uh, which kind of uh, the girl starts to get some sort of reaction with her skin. She starts scratching. Um, she starts to have dreams that she's visited by the cicada man at night. Um, then cicadas start coming out of her skin. It turns into this like monster kind of weird body horror movie. Um, not, not very the script. I would doubt that there's much of a script to this movie. Um, but again, I just felt like, Oh, this is different. This is something that clearly someone decided to make outside the system. Um, mm -hmm. If we're going to talk about movies, like fucking, uh, I don't know, some of the movies I just mentioned, this is worthy of those movies, at least. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right, fuck it. So that's my number 10. Um, it's definitely, I think I think I got put out uh, on Blu-ray by Unearthed Films, um, who, who's pretty good about putting out like kind of like culty genre shit. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Unearthed or not. Um, I just, uh, I looked up the IMDb real quick and there's a mm. man with like a very elephant style face mm. here for special effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something I do appreciate about the Japanese is that they make the most of their time. They, they're mm. delicate with the run times. It seems like this is only 75 minutes long. And even though guy is definitely not Japanese, he's very white, very English. <laughs> he lives in Japan <laughs> and he's definitely uh, a weeb. <laughs> like lives in Japan, uh, but shout out to them. So that was my number 10, uh, my number nine, uh, is Capsules. Uh, now, Capsules is a kind of small budget independent horror film uh, about these college students who take some pills and from a guy who I guess is like a some guy that's an old dude who's they, who they see around the city because, again, it's a college town. They see him walking around local old guy. He's walking around spaced out of his fucking mind. He falls, he drops a bottle of pills. One of the kids takes them. And as they're doing a study, a study group with two guys, two girls, they decide, fuck it, let's take this guy's pills. And only to discover that if they don't continue to take the pills, they will die. Um, again, very simple premise, uh, mm. but that makes the most of it. Um, and I do think it looks nice um, in terms of like the cinematography uh, at, a, at a lower budget. Uh, again, just an enjoyable horror movie. Not it's not a lot to it, um, but again, like in comparison to some of these other films, I'm like I think it's on Tubi, um, so people can definitely watch this movie. Uh, it's easy to track down. Um, definitely worth a watch. Again, don't expect this to be uh, earth shattering by any means, but it's definitely a movie that uh, is worthy of being mentioned in top. I mean, this is a very light year. Like I get over this, I just yeah. Um It's. I, I think it's also commendable uh, having independent productions like this, uh, yeah. as opposed to just watching the same studio. Yeah, because the studio is really the thing. Like the studio yeah. has has money and budgets behind these movies, but they fucking suck. Like you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like they're not. There's nothing to them. Like other than like you know, like it's pure product, and it's like more about I, studio movies in my experience are more um puzzle pieces where they're like connecting like money like this actor has this box office and this actor has this box office this director made this you know like we can plug these pieces in together spit it out on the machine it'll make us this much money 
So like a lot of it doesn't matter if it's a genre movie or not. It's kind of how all that shit is built. Unless you have clout and you can be like a, a director who can demand autonomy and creative control, which we know there's about five of those guys and they put some of them put out movies this year and they're the better movies. Surprise. Well, but even even when you get that, you get someone mm -hmm. like Eli Roth and then you get Thanksgiving and you're like, cool, you haven't learned anything in fucking 20 years. Of career. You're putting out a movie <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving. That would fit in like fucking yeah. 2006. It's, it's he made the movie too late. He made the movie too late. Um, you know, there's, uh, there was also just no visual style to it. I mean, yeah. I wanted I wanted the trailer and it sound, it kind of felt yeah. like he was above that by the time he actually got started on it. He felt like, mm. oh, that's a little regressive. I, I don't know if I really want to do that. And yeah. he just go with just the most generic looking movie, especially yeah. for a horror movie that he could have made. Yeah, it's very generic. It was it was disappointing. I, I thought like uh, again, I thought he made the movie like it should have been made back in 2007 or eight or whatever the fuck when grindhouse came out mm -hmm. that's when the movie should have been made um because even well, like that you connection know that connection right does anyone mm -hmm. remember that that was a trailer unless no. they tell no. you hey remember the right. fake trailers from which is probably no, why it's just which is probably the justification for the approach that they took which was trying to be aim it more towards zoomers and like you know uh that kind of crowd and like making it more of like a cw show a little bit yeah um, we're old now though right That's right the it's thing. Like, <laughs> and it's like even it's when not they, like we like if we didn't see any movies in 10 years or 15 years or whatever okay but i don't think those the same yeah. sens sensibilities don't really work on like unless you do something interesting with them and you're just making a movie that would fit in those years i uh i maybe understand the appeal uh, from some people that might say uh hey going back to the good old days when i was 21 years old and would enjoy everything but there's really nothing interesting or nothing new to the movie that would you know in a 2023 movie where you expect uh, uh maybe we we haven't gotten this the best year when it comes to horror but give me fucking something did yeah. you guys happen to see that new scream movie scream yes. or was it scream six no. yeah it, are, is that movie especially gory at all like do they do they show that much blood because it seems like maybe off the top of my head these movies like thanksgiving veer away from going the extra mile in terms of the the special effects. Like people were commending the special effects of Thanksgiving, but I feel like that trailer was gorier. Yeah, now the they, was they shy away. Yeah. They yeah. shy away from doing it because of that Zoomer crowd. Mm. And to what you were saying before, like I've said this on my show, I feel like horror is starting to take the place of the superhero genre and how people have treated that over the past yeah. 10 or 12 years. Uh, and it's just going to continue to be commodified and uh, you know, the edges are going to be sanded off and you're going to get more of these these right. sterile products. Yeah, it's weird because it's it's that genre that's supposed to be for the fucking outcast and the fucking people yep. who are who are nonconformist. But like you can't be that <laughs> like mm -hmm. it'd be you making shit at the studio level uh, at all. And it, I think Thanksgiving even kind of is proof of that because um, in many ways, well, for one, the scenes that they did recreate from the trailer like you notice the changes like the trampoline scene for example how he changed that mm -hmm. like there's no way in 2023 he's going to do the trampoline scene with the chick with her titties mm -hmm. out bouncing about he's not so he didn't like you know what i'm saying he like kind of like it was like you know like i just compromises like that where it's just like all right like it just felt there's it just felt like watching someone who who had been like uh had their fucking balls cut off like you know what i mean like like you no longer have a libido like as a filmmaker mm -hmm. anymore so it's like kind of like you know like i'm pretty sure he does in real life 
uh, I'm assuming, uh, but <laughs> but, as but I think that's the biggest not there anymore. <laughs> that's the biggest problem with it. I think that okay, so that trailer was very popular whenever that movie came out. I don't remember right. 2005, 2006, mm. uh, because of all of those elements that you didn't put in this movie. So right. then it's like, all right, so the thing that interested me about that trailer is not going to be in the movie 10, 15 years later. So then why make it? Like, also, like if you're I not going to uh, if the, you're the, not going to go as hard, then fucking don't who cares? The gimmick of the trailer to begin with was that I think it was humorous in a in adult swim mm -hmm. kind of way that it's Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It's not Halloween, it's not Christmas, bloody Christmas or any of those. Mm -hmm. It's Thanksgiving. And now all of the advertising today and many of the movies have spawned from that like quirky, weird, uh late night style humor that Adult Swim did. So now it's just kind of it's very easy to serve up what it wound up being. And he took the the simplest route possible, I think, in doing that, the most um corporate friendly way of doing that, which is unfortunate. I think the challenge of making commercial art um at all to any degree is to the ability to read the tea leaves in the moment that you live in. And I feel like a lot of these filmmakers, they're in artists in general, whether they're fucking people who write books or do TV shows or whatever. Like, I feel like they're not recognizing the moment that we're in. Like when we were like growing up, you know, um, and I say like generations pre-Zoomer, you know what I'm saying? Pre-Zoomer generations when they were, when we were growing up, the me, uh, like I, I, irony was a big thing. Like irony was sort of like the voice that the, the generations of that era kind of spoke in, right? We are past, we're in a post-irony era and moment in time. I'm sure at a certain point it'll swing back around, but now it's about sincerity, right? And like, they're still trying to be sort of like millennial or Gen X with the fucking irony and set it in a modern context and it doesn't fucking work. Like, you just have to be serious. Like, whatever the fucking shit is at this point. Like, you just have to, like, I think like the, the movies that tend to, 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 to do well and sort of don't, are probably going to age well are going to be the ones that kind of embrace that and just make a sincere movie in the moment. You know what I mean? Like they're not kind of winking at the audience. We've, we've had a whole series of Marvel films that did that bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like we had a whole wave of, of shit where it's like, they're trying to be like, Oh, he's flying again. He's flying again. Yes. He's flying again. That goofy yeah. Josh millennial bullshit. Yeah. Millennial all that writing. Yeah. 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 We've, just we've like had a, a fucking... whole, that shit is gone. That's like a, that's no longer like people are really like, just watch some shit where they actually commit to it. And I feel like uh, in genre specifically, like the movies that work the best for to me right now are the ones that are just like, yeah, this is this thing. Thanksgiving wants to be everything. And in, and, and in trying to be everything to all everyone, it becomes like nothing. You know what I mean? So that's that's my thing. But where was I at? Oh, is that number nine? Capsules. Capsules. So Capsules Capsules is definitely like a low-key movie about college kids popping pills. I mean, how could you go wrong with that? I mean, <laughs> uh, so my number eight is a movie called Loop Track. Um, now, have you guys heard of Loop Track? Mm -mm. So Loop Track is a creature feature, but... It doesn't really, it does that thing that a lot of more modern genre movies does where kind of like makes you think that it's not one for the majority of it, only to be like, oh yeah, it really is. Um, basically a guy decides to go uh, 
on a walking trail. Um, he's going through some shit. It never explains exactly what he's going through, but for whatever reason, he wants to take a, you know, a pack and go on his trail. And again, I think this movie is like an Australian set movie. I think it was an Australian shot movie. New Zealand. New Zealand. Same shit. Yeah. <laughs> Kiwi, yeah. Austra- Australia. <laughs> so, so he goes to walk on this trail uh, and he encounters the most annoying people ever. Right. Like, so like the first guy he encounters is super annoying, super motivated guy. He just wants to be left alone, but he won't leave him alone. Then he encounters a couple, um, uh, a black dude and this white chick. I think they're, they're somewhere from New Zealand. She's obviously Kiwi in an annoying way. And um, this guy might be like African of some sort. Uh, but our main character is annoyed as fuck by these people the whole way. So it's kind of comedic, right? Like in the way that like these awkward interactions are going and he's like, I just want to be left alone, but you people won't leave me the fuck alone. You're asking me too many questions and it plays out like, and then he starts to like have weird theories about like the guys, the guy, specifically the guy he met first. And like, is he like, he might be, is this guy might be a killer um is he like i don't because they they come across like another cabin after they've walked several hours to it uh and there's like women's shit there but their women are gone and he looks through their shit and he finds a a camera a digital camera and on the camera there's a picture of the guy in the background on the trail so he starts putting it together and the movie's sort of kind of giving you these red herrings right um and again the movie's kind of humorous it's funny and kind of works uh, but ultimately, that's just to throw you off. It really is a creature feature movie. And when the actual creature is revealed, one is practical. It's not some fucking CGI creature shit. Two, the creature is like one of those that could actually exist. Like, you know what, what is I'm it? What's the creature? Um, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Loot Track, pause, go watch it. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. It looks like a fucking dinosaur, but it's like a bird. Like it was birds that are supposed to have descended from dinosaurs, right? This is yeah. big fucking giant beaked bird creature. And it's more than one of them. Um, and it's been killing off the people on this trail. And the, you know what I'm saying? And uh, just the way that it, they handle it, it's just so uh, believable and plausible, but also manages to be funny at the same time. And in, in that kind of way where it's like the awkward kind of like uh, just socially awkward, a socially awkward person in a social set in a social setting where he doesn't really want to be again, just a well-made, well-made genre movie. It's not, it's not, it's not reinventing the wheel, um, but it's taking familiar tropes, but putting enough spin on him that it's like, Oh, it's kind of refreshing, especially given the state of the genre over here. <laughs> like, so, you know, so I put oh, track autistic at, horror. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Autistic horror for sure. <laughs> we got yeah. a lot of that. A lot <laughs> I of just watched horror. the, uh, the trailer on mute here. It looks good. I mean, they, they kind of actually do spoil the, the creature in the trailer on IMDb. Well, I know they show like the feet and shit, but they never mm-hmm. like show the beak of this thing. This thing is no, you get the feet and cool. one yeah, of the you, eyes. It looks like a dinosaur, the feet, like you know what I mean? Feel like a fucking raptor. So it's 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 pretty it's pretty cool. Uh and I think the guy who stars is actually the director too. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's well made, well made. Uh I don't know what the budget is, but they clearly had a little money and they made it a decent, a decent genre movie. This so this is not a criticism of the movie at all. Something I've noticed more and more is, and this is maybe because I've been watching like a lot of, here's how you color grade on YouTube and Instagram yeah. reels, mm-hmm. is the the go-to blue and orange yes. dichotomy. They love yes. to throw that out there. I think I might've seen that in the trailer to the last movie too yeah. on, on the list. You can't avoid, uh, here's, here's the problem, Lorez. We gotta is let a, that go. We gotta that, let that go. Yeah, we gotta let it go because it's so prevalent. Like I noticed it too. 
Um, I've noticed it in pretty much almost all the movies I watch, like mm -hmm. big studio, whatever, uh, the color grading. But a lot of that is just because people have as some of them use DaVinci Resolve. I think. A lot oh, yeah, people. that's what that's exactly. Yeah, what yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, and there's a certain kind of default like, oh, movies look like this and the orange and the fucking blue and all that. Yeah. Because yeah. of the movie poster trick from 15 years ago. Oh, right. Actually, right. You know, the human eye really responds and, to the. Blue and when and I was orange. in when I was in film school, I remember like fucking with color correction before that was a thing. And like my teachers were like, don't fuck with color correction because I live, I went to a shitty school and like I was the only one doing color correction. And like I remember first discovering this red, this blue orange shit. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck is this blue orange shit? And, that, and I started seeing it everywhere. Uh, and yeah, so it's like it's very when you notice it, once you once you know to look for it, you're going to see it so much. So I've gotten to the point where like I expect that. And when I don't, I'm pleasantly surprised. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, I mean, it looks good. It's just we've seen too much of it at this point. Right. And now, right. now it's playing Ghost right. in the Shell, the yeah. live action movie. And it's more just blue and orange. Yeah. Uh, very, very over that. I like Hans's color grading currently. <laughs> we go from green yeah. to blue. And then if there is any warmth, it's dark and like, yeah. it's very in the background. It's very grainy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was my number eight yeah loop track is number eight so number seven is 15 cameras uh 15, my first i think this is my first u.s movie but again it is a independent movie uh i believe uh you guys are familiar with 15 cameras i'm familiar it with sounds this series familiar. yeah 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 so so 15 cameras horny, is, is a horny a guy with a hidden cameras right yes yes a horny yeah. guy with a hidden <laughs> camera um turned into a horror movie uh what's interesting about it is one it is funny um, but the guy is pretty much a piece of shit. And that's what I loved it. I kind of loved it because it was like, they present the main character as kind of a shit, a kind of a shitty dude, like, but shitty in a way that's like, like shitty, like everyone is <laughs> like, like shitty, like we are like, you know what I mean? Like, like when human, I, like, yeah. right. Human shittiness where it's like, oh yeah. Like, cause they move into this fucking, uh, uh, sub, like they buy this place, they buy it, him and his wife, uh, buy this place and it has an upstairs house and a downstairs house. So he's fixing it up um, and he got it really cheap and he reveals to his wife and us, the audience, that like the reason that it's so cheap is because this fucking serial killer who was like recording people and like he owned it. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was like kill his victims and like record him and shit. Uh, but this guy, like they tried to catch him and they thought he died in a car fire, but they never recovered the body. Like, you know what I'm saying? And they weren't certain of the remains that they found in the car. Um and they're literally watching his wife is literally watching a Netflix series about the serial killer in their house. Right. So uh, he's fixing up the downstairs and he comes across this hidden room in the, the downstairs level of place that they're going to rent out. And he's like, oh, he realizes, oh, shit, there's cameras everywhere. Like because his wife, he, his wife even asked him, like, wait a minute, he owned this house. Is there cameras? I was like, no, no, they got them all out. Well, clearly they didn't. And, and this guy's, you know. And even in the documentary, they show the Netflix, the pseudo Netflix documentary about this murderer. They talk about how sophisticated he got with the cameras being smaller and smaller and being able to hide them in better places. So when he discovers this mini uh, like monitoring room, it has all the like shower rooms in his house and the rooms in the other house. So when they go to rent out, he does. He keeps this from his wife, like when he finds it, when he finds out because he doesn't want to scare her. Right. Um, but then his sister in law comes to stay over and she wants to take a shower and so, like, he's, like, fighting the urge to, like, spy on his sister-in-law and see her naked, which, again, again, I like the morally kind of, like, gray, kind of, like, fucking shitty, kind of, like, like you know, this movie kind of explores and doesn't really care to, like, put this guy in this light. Um, 
So when they go to rent out the house downstairs, he makes sure that like the the tenants are like two young, hot college age girls. Like, you know, so they seeing all these other people, these couples. And he's like, I don't know. And when he sees these girls, he's like, yeah. And then he's like real weird with them. He's like trying to ingratiate himself and be creepy and shit. And then ultimately we discover that this killer guy is still around. Um, and he does come back in the final act and the whole shit plays out. But what I liked about this movie was, again, like not what you don't see uh, in sort of a lot of modern horror in coming up out of America right now is the tendency to shy away from people being kind of like shitty. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, and this movie doesn't give a fuck about that. And it's kind of funny. And um, I think there's a cameo appearance by uh, what's the guy uh, that you guys know who I'm talking about. The guy who did um, Thunder Road and fuck Jim it. Cummings. Jim, Jim Cummings mm -hmm. made it makes a, a cameo in this movie. Um, I'm well, hitting see. I'm hitting the Jim executive Cummings. producer. Yeah, on the first one. Was, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He definitely was involved on a, some sort of producer level with this one. So yeah, fifteen cameras. Uh, I don't know where it's actually available at. Uh, Torrents, <laughs> but but uh, but uh, yep. I, I watched it. YTS. Uh, yeah, go, go, sure. go check it out. Uh, shout out to YTS, um, MAS sponsor, yep. <laughs> <laughs> movies podcast sponsor, YTS. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we I should get a sponsor a from yeah, yeah, you tweeted them and they're like verified and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, business. yeah. I didn't know either until I <laughs> searched them up today. But yeah, that's that's the site oh, yeah. where I get all every movie that I watch. That's the much. Costa Rican theater. Yes, yes. Yeah. Shout out to YTS. They're doing uh, God's work. Um, so to recap, I got 10 Sound of Summer, 9 Capsules, 8 Loot Track, 7 15 Cameras. Okay, so we got one American movie so far. <laughs> Uh, at my number six, um, it's not an American movie. Um, it is Red Rooms. Now, Red Rooms is, I think it's like mm. Quebec, Quebec, or however DC would say it, Quebec, however he says it over there in fucking Montreal, whatever the fuck he says. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to DC. Um, uh, it's a it's a movie that's a, I think it, it might be a Quebec movie. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it's in French, um, obviously, because they like French for some reason. They think they're French. Um, but it's a movie that, is interesting because it's like a lot of, it's basically a horror movie but it's like if you were going to criticize my list this would be the one where you're like is this horror and i would i would argue with you that yes it is but it's definitely horrifying but i could see people trying to be like make the silence of the lambs argument with this type of movie where people would be like mm -hmm. silence of the lambs isn't a horror movie you know what i mean and some people are like yes the fuck it is well this movie is about uh well red rooms is this internet yeah. These rooms where you can go watch people get killed, um, yep. specifically. Um, right, right. And well, uh, you uh, what is it? You tip for yeah, bad yeah. things to happen to them, right? Well, That's the movie takes streaming? place of a, of a trial of a guy who who got caught, um, and they said he's the one on video killing these young girls. Like he was abducting these like twelve year old girls, younger girls, or whatever, and then uh, for he was killing them on camera, and people were paying to see it. And they had like the families of the girls there. Um, he's on trial. They're like, you know, he's a monster. But then he has these women that are like his fans, either women who believe mm. he's innocent or like women who are just like infatuated with him or fascinated or whatever. So they show up to watch the case, um, which is our main character. She's like this model, very reserved. She shows she's literally sleeping outside early to make sure that she can get into the courtroom early. Um, and then they start to show the case. They start to like starts to kind of play out in this weird Canadian court. They have a weird style of court. 
Uh, it's not like over here, but like they bring out the guy. They dress all goofy yeah, and yeah, shit. and they bring out the guy. He's like <laughs> surrounded in a plexiglass box and shit. And then like it's weird. Uh, but the girl, their main character, you kind of get like that she's like something's off about her, but you can't quite understand her motive for wanting to be there all the time. Like uh, specifically given her life, like she, one we understand that she's like a gambler. We see her gamble a lot. Like she does a lot of online gambling and makes is really good at it. But she also is like a model, so she gets paid pretty well doing that. And she lives in a nice downtown Montreal apartment or some shit. Uh, and she continues to go and she interacts with like one girl. Um, who she meets, who's like, a, believes that this guy is innocent. Um, uh, and they watch the videos. They don't really show shit, but it manages to, this is what I respected the most about the movie is like, they, it manages to be really dark and really fucked up without really showing you a lot. Because um, ultimately one of the girls of the three, I think it's three girls that are killed or four, it might be three, I think it's three. One of them is missing. They never recovered her, right? So, they have videos in the courtroom. They have to like literally watch these girls get murdered by this guy, cut up, cut up by chainsaws, all this fucked up shit. Um, but there's this one girl that they haven't recovered. Like they don't know where she is and they haven't seen a video. They haven't recovered shit, but the family's there. They've tied him to the case. And as the movie sort of plays itself out, you find out where she is. Um, and it's just it's just dark. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, it It's well-made and it's like one of those movies that like, um, it, it, it has its nose in the air a little bit. You can tell, like, you know what I mean? And I appreciate that a little bit. Like I always feel like uh, people that kind of like look down on the genre tend to sometimes make some of the better movies. And I get the mm -hmm. feeling that that kind of this filmmaker is a little bit like that a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, red rooms. Uh, you guys heard of that at all? Probably not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the movie, I, no. I, I think I downloaded it. I just never watched it. But I was I really didn't know anything about the movie. Uh mm. but uh Ed Piscor, this uh comic book artist, has yeah. a comic book called The Red Room that I mm. like. And it's about that same that thing, shit. like the same yeah. concept. Yeah. 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 So uh, and it's I, I really like his art style. So uh when I saw that there was a title on yts.mx <laughs> i was like oh that's cool i'm sure it has something to do with this i think i i don't think i ever watched it as one of those i just yeah. downloaded it's, and I never it's, did it's, but uh it's a slow burn it's a slow burn but like once you get to the end it's like it pretty it's pretty uh sad at least for me it was i was like all right i because sometimes a movie will be slow and i'll be like fuck you know what i mean like what the fuck is i'm that? surprised that it has very positive reviews like i just searched for it and rotten tomatoes has a hundred percent and I feel like it, audience. And I was yeah, like, I feel like it's because weird. it's the type of movie that's going to attract a certain kind of audience, right? Like, mm. it's not going to attract a typical horror audience. Like, so yeah. you know, it's like people who are actually want to have a little, who don't mind a potential little, a slow movie or a movie that's somewhat challenging. Like, right? They'll probably watch this movie. You know what I'm saying? It's more of a mature, if you want to even call it that. I mean, Ooh, is it know, the Exorcism of Emily Rose? of exorcisms <laughs> where that movie happens like most of the movies just in a in a courtroom yeah it's, yeah, it's like that mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely a lot of courtroom shit it's definitely not like a lot of gore it's not it's all suggested um i, I really like the exorcism of family Rose, and it manages so I, uh, I mean fuck scott derrickson yeah. but, but, but uh i don't like i say fuck scott derrickson like i have a personal problem yeah. i just don't like his movies i just don't like yeah, yeah, yeah he also is one of those people that has annoying twitter presence too yes um, god he was what uh ain't it cool news i think he was a writer for and he's very <laughs> yeah. very uh, he block like you, you said, Hans? 
Derrickson might have blocked. Maybe he's on my other account. He's a blocker. He I think block. I got blocked by him. I got blocked by him, Cargill, yeah. uh, couple oh, Cargill, of other guys. Yeah, Cargill is his butt boy, so he's going <laughs> to yeah. Cargill, if he, he's not going to listen to this podcast, but if he did, he'd probably block me right now for saying that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, like, you know, whatever. Like, I'm, those, you know. That whole entourage of Disney, Netflix, soy mm. horror guys. Yeah, yes. I'm on all their block lists. I'm yeah. fairly The Flanagan. probably, yeah, the Mike Flanagan. <laughs> yeah. Shout out, shout out to the soy boys, the whole <laughs> shout out to you guys uh making the hardcore shit um no <laughs> all right so recap 10 sound of summer nine capsules eight loop track seven 15 cameras six red rooms okay now here's my top five my top five uh i think are pretty solid um pretty solid my taste is particular but pretty solid uh number five um it's a french movie um it's got two names. Uh, the, the American name is Lockdown Tower. The French name is La Tour. Um, it's basically uh, the French version of J.G. Ballard's uh, High Rise. Now, Ben Wheatley made High Rise. But Ben, ben Wheatley's High Rise was not High Rise. This movie is more J.G. Ballard than, than the Wheatley the adaptation of J.G. Ballard. Um now the critis the criticism the criticisms that I see about this movie are pretty predictable, um, and I feel like a lot of it is based on sort of the the class analysis that they people perceive it not to have, and I don't think that's valid because I feel like for one French people are different from Americans, and their their idea of class consciousness in fact they're much more class conscious than Americans really, but also like. This idea that like lockdown tower focuses on race um, a lot more. Um, I feel like people like that's a stop. That's a stopping point for them. Um, let me explain what lockdown tower is. It's a very simple premise. Uh, these people live in this high rise tower in France. Um, and one day a black void appears uh, covering the whole building. Um, literally the windows, the doors, everything. It's black. It's completely black. And if you walk through it, you die. Like more or less, it's like you go into it, like people put shit into it, pull it out. And it like literally saws you in half. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and they don't know, there's no explanation for what this is. They don't know what it is or why. They just know they can't fucking leave. So immediately what happens is uh, the floors start uniting. People start fighting for resources. Races click together. Like all the black people click together. All the Arab people click together. All the white people click together. Factions break out, wars break out. Um, I really thought this was just good. Like, I thought it was good. Like, I get the tendency for people to have knee-jerk reactions to this kind of shit, uh, but I just thought it was a good, successful movie. And I feel like you can read whatever you want into this movie. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's one of those where it's like, yeah, you could probably say, like, oh, the, you could probably guess or surmise what the filmmaker's intent was behind that, but I really don't think that's the fucking point. And I really think that uh, if this was made in America, it would be a lot more you know, like, this is my message. And it's like goofy shit. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and I really feel like lockdown towers, just not that I don't, the critic, the criticism I've seen, I just don't really agree with, you know, so it's a criticism that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, there, there needs to be more, uh, diversity in the groups and people wouldn't no, no, get I together because, because I feel like that's what be. would happen, right? Like yeah, if something I mean, like that. Understand. I've been thinking about that for Oz recently because I finished yeah. watching Oz and I was like, damn, I, you know, they could really bring Oz back. And then I thought, 
nah, they couldn't bring Oz back right now. They would never go for, oh, prison is based on racial cliques. But it is, though. Yes, <laughs> it right. Is. It is. So, right. You know what I mean? And um, and it's one of those things, too, where, like, regardless of what you where, where you politically stand, like, I'm sure, like, politically, I'm far lefter than you guys. Uh, but hmm. that doesn't really matter. Like, what people fail to fucking understand, what people fail to, like, understand is this. Regardless of whatever the fuck you may think, like, if society fell apart, regardless of where you landed on whatever mm -hmm. fucking political ideology you identify with, um, everyone is, everyone who's lived in this society has been exposed to the sort of, uh, the organizing uh, structure of it already. So if it collapsed, what are people default going to do? Yeah. Like it would take a while for the people. It would it would take generations who were born after the collapse to be shed of that shit. But even then, the generations before them would be reinforcing that shit because that's what they know. So this idea that like that would like the the criticism that would be like, well, people wouldn't necessarily be that way. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that, dog. You know what I mean? Like that may not be you know the that may be a a reading that you would want. But I feel like talking about that and making a movie where that's not the case is valid. Like, you know what I mean? It's valid. It's whether you agree but, with it or but, not, it's a totally different subject. But yeah. But that's why you couldn't do it in America, right? Because you're not supposed to notice those or, differences. I mean, I mean, now in 2024, <laughs> I want to say in 2023, this movie's from 2023, but in 2024, yeah. I feel like, yeah, the expectation is like weird. I've said this too, where like my, my whole thing is this. I feel like... Um, I do feel like art is propaganda on to some degree, all of it, but I do feel like uh, good art is a conversation and bad art is a lecture regardless. It doesn't matter mm. what your viewpoint is, whether your viewpoint is super right, whether your viewpoint is uber left, whether it's some centrist bullshit, like if your shit is a lecture, it's bad. Mm. Yeah. A good, good art is a conversation. It's, it's presenting ideas and it's presenting things to you, but it's leaving that door open for people to be like, Oh, okay. Uh, chew on this, chew on that. It's not, it's not like this is the right after school special shit. And I feel like anything made here now specifically is definitely that it's lecture shit. And that's why it puts a lot of people off because nobody wants to hear that. What, what fucking adult wants, I don't care what it is. What adult wants to go in and have their, some of adults do, let's be real. They like to have their opinions validated. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, this is, but it's like, what do you get smashed? It's like jacking off in public. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know what I'm saying? Like what the fuck? Well, is that, that's something I appreciated is the conversation that uh lady ballers engage with its Ooh. audience is. <laughs> I got a lot out of that. Oh man, I still haven't watched Lady Ballers. I'm I'm interested just based off of no, no, I know it's bad. I know it's bad. Hey, hey, YTS.MX. I should get a sponsorship from every movie. All right, so that was my number five. Now my number four is a little bit more. Is um, let me say it is one that appeared on the list. I think it was the Rolling Stone list, and it was actually at number four. So. I actually agree with him on that. Um, and that's Inisman. Now, have you heard about Inisman? I started watching it mm -hmm. and uh, then I checked out. Yeah, it's one of those. Yep. <laughs> it's my number four, but it's one of those. Um, when that came up, I was like, that was a horror movie? I don't remember that being a horror movie. Yeah, and yeah, I was so, like, oh, wait, I didn't finish the movie. So Inisman is what people say Skinnamarink is. Okay. Yep. Like, it really mm -hmm. is that. So, like, one thing I, I can't, I'm a sucker for uh, a well shot movie. Yeah. That's shot on film. This is shot on a 16 millimeter reflex Bolex um, with that four, three aspect ratio. Um, he's de the director definitely like, you know, shot for the format he was shooting in. 
which is like he he knew how to utilize that. He knew how to make a movie with that camera. And not only that, but you could tell the way he boosted the color, the color correction, like where he's got the the the, the main character wearing that red fucking jacket and that juxtaposed against that lush green fucking, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Rocky fucking island that she's on. And it is rep- it is repetitive. It does repeat a lot of things. It is very much a, it has an art house aesthetic and an art house approach. It is a film that is like, you have to be willing to sit down. You cannot, this is what I say to people all the time. Certain movies you have to give, give into. This is not a movie that you, you're not going to enjoy it. If you don't just give into it. Like it, it is one of those movies where it's like, no, like, it's like, this is what I'm doing. Like, again, Skinner Rick was doing that. I just fucking hated it the whole way. And I, it, it was a lack of filmmaking craft. Like it was. Yeah. It just had give no me cr- something. Right. At least give me some interesting cinematography to focus on. Right. As and opposed to movie, just yeah, trying to figure works, out. This movie just yeah. is just good to look at. Like for mm-hmm. me, like, I mean, just just in my opinion, like I like this aesthetic and I and I can see I'm in the hands of a filmmaker who I'm like, I trust. I trust. Like, even if you're going, I'm, I trust you to just finish this, whatever this is. Like, okay, we'll see where it resolves. Uh, and I just am a sucker for certain kind of shit. I will admit that. Um, and to me, there is uh, there is, is a movie movies. from there's a movie from 2020 that I saw maybe, I don't know, like a week or two weeks before I saw this one. It's called Red Moon Tide. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's similar, uh, yeah. but um, not not a lot happens. And there's a lot of static, either static shots or, or the camera moves very slowly. And yeah. sometimes we have very distant shots from the subjects. And then the subjects just kind of move in the distance. And you hear narration, which I'm not a huge fan of. But uh, when it comes to an uh, experimental movie, which I feel like Annie's man is it would fall into that category re- for me. I respect uh, it. I respect it so much because I have a Bolex. I don't have mine's a non-reflex, uh, but I have boom. It was sh- you know, okay. you gotta have skill to shoot on this motherfucking thing. Like, like you yeah. have to think about the shot. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to think about it. Like it's it's not it's not the same as like getting like a, a fucking DLSR or like even like a black magic pocket camera, which I like the camera. But like the tech is so accessible. The tech is so mm. a lot of it is 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 and Lorez, you guys know this shit. You guys made you guys made movies. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know how like some of this prosumer shit, like there a lot of it is training wheels. Like there's got training mm-hmm. wheels built into it. To make a movie on a Bolex, you gotta be intentional about what you're doing. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it's one of those things where it's like this guy, yeah, maybe that is fetishizing film and whatever blah blah blah. it's pretentious yeah yeah whatever i'm guilty but but like uh i just know what it takes from a practical level to make a movie at all on some shit like that and i'm like you gotta do all kinds of shit you gotta do sync sound you know what i'm saying he's got i was gonna say was this movie on a completely adr as well i know that was the case with bait yeah bait was his first movie right uh bait i think i think i think this movie actually though I believe like I know for bait, I think that he like even developed his own film. I think with this, he shot it. He had a little bit more money and he was able to get it developed and then, you know, do the transfer so he can edit it digitally or whatever. Uh, but, but so I think he had a little bit more to work with when he made this, but still I, it's, this is very much a, a singular movie. People always throw that word around like a singular vision. A sing- this is a singular movie. This is one guy who really wanted to make this thing and make it a certain way. And he went out and did it. 
And like, I mean, how could you hate that? You know what I'm saying? Like you could, I mean, yeah. trust me, I hate a lot of shit like that, but, but, but I don't hate him for doing this movie. So yeah, that's my number four low, uh, low. I think this, but Hans, you actually did see this. So. Yeah. I think as a film, as like, if I go back to my fucking nerdy film, mm. uh, I'm, I'm watching Eraserhead for yeah, a week yeah, yeah, straight yeah. to try to understand it. And I still don't, uh, brain, uh, this was very enjoyable just because it feels like it's more like an experience, I think, than just yeah. a, a linear movie that, that and that's, you know, that's another thing. That's go. another thing that I'm glad you said that Hans is that's another thing. Like, as somebody who writes scripts, I really like I appreciate a plot, but this plot's not a cinema is not plot, dog. Like you can have that. And we, we've gotten so like used to that, like especially with the rise of TV, like TV mm. becoming like at a certain point, supplanting film at certain times. Um, People are so obsessed with plot, like movies don't need to fucking have plot dog. like they can. And like, I do like a good plot as much as anybody, but that's not a necessarily requirement. Like there's plenty yeah. of films that don't have any plot whatsoever. They're great movies because it's that's pure cinema. Pure cinema is to me is that like pure cinema is like some shit that's like only a movie can be, you know what I'm saying? Like the criticism yeah. of like, uh, uh, when, remember when Fury Road came out and people were like, that's not a story. He's, they drive cars this way, then turn around and drive cars that way. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking great. It's pure, it's pure cinema. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't need to be anything but that. You know what I mean? That's been a conversation I think that's been happening with this new True Detective series that's coming mm-hmm. out in a couple of days. Is people are like, well, who is the actual mastermind of True Detective? And uh, they thought it was Nick Pizzolatto. Seasons two and three didn't really have the same spark that that mm-hmm. first season had. And I think it's very obvious that it was Carrie. It was Carrie Fukunaga. But, um, Yet I saw someone advocating for, oh, no, actually, it was Nick. Nick Pizzolatto was really the genius behind True Detective. And I, I couldn't disagree with that more. I mean, I think it's a little I think it, the, the the answer, the true answer is a little bit of in between. Like, of you know course, I, I think when you're when in your Carrie Fukunaga and you're picking up Nick Pizzolatto's material, mm. that that's really what it is. What it is. Right. But if you had some other crime writer hop in there, I think you're seeing less of a drop off. If it's carry at the wheel, uh, for those you might be right, you might be right about that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you about that. Uh, I will say this uh, all of the interesting stuff, non visually interesting shit, uh, the the that's that's Pilizzato. A lot of it is him lifting, um, from Legati, uh, for sure. Mm. And people, I remember like hacks, like, uh, What's that guy's fucking name? Uh, Craig Mazin. Hacks like Craig Mazin got mad like when they found out like, oh, Pilizzato was like lifting lines from fucking Legati. What the fuck? But not understanding like that whole weird fiction. They all do that. Like Legati lifts from Lovecraft. Uh, all those people that write weird fiction lift from each other. It's like a it's, it's like a weird like I add to the story. I add to they'll have like Cthulhu. Like how many books have Cthulhu in them that aren't written by Lovecraft? Like. It mm. is part of that tradition. And like he took it and made something truly unique. That first season is like impeccable. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. And Absolutely. Kerry Fubinaga is definitely a big reason for that as well. Um, I don't know. Do you guys remember that uh, that uh, IFC series film school? Do you remember? Have you ever seen? You remember seeing that? Have you ever watched that? I, I remember like I've seen it. Kerry Fukunaga was one of the one of the NYU students on the show. Which is so weird hmm. to see his trajectory hmm. after that. It's like watching the guy from uh, fucking Project Greenlight actually having a good career. Uh, Gulliger, shout out to him. 
Well, how about the guy from season two who would go on to make Run Hide Fight and yeah. work for Daily Wire? The the, the biggest success from Greenlight is Shia LaBeouf for sure. Uh, but but <laughs> but that's an actor. Uh, uh, in terms of filmmaking, um, I guess Gulliger had an okay career. Uh, I did see his dad, rest in peace. I did see him when I lived in LA at the New Beverly, but he was always there. Uh, but yeah, uh, Fuganawa and uh, Pilizzato were like a perfect marriage. But I am also uh, really interested to see what this this new season. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not dismissive of this new season. I I saw the trailer. I thought it looked pretty good. I like Jude Foster. Who, so who's the directors uh, attached? I thought it. I thought it was Barry really Jenkins good. is producing it. Yeah, that's a red flag for me. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. Barry Jenkins a little bit though. I don't dislike Barry Jenkins like for real, for real. But like he doesn't really. Um, I don't know. He's a little bit bougie for me. He's a little bit too bourgeois for me. Mm. Um, I do think his movies look great. Like uh, I do think uh, Moonlight. I don't really like Moonlight, but I do think Moonlight has like great, like specifically the close-ups in Moonlight. Like the close-ups in Moonlight are like fucking kind of impeccable. I don't know who to credit that to. Jenkins or the cinematographer are look are both. But uh, well, the director of this new season is a lady called Isa Lopez. Well, Isa Isa is uh uh the the chick who did Tigers Are Not Afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a Spanish director. Uh, I think Guillermo del Toro, like, kind of like, took took her under his giant flabby wing. <laughs> I'm fat shaming <laughs> del Toro. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, That's fine. No, uh, <laughs> he is fat. <laughs> Han said it. He can say it. He's it's, 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 it's Spanish. I'm Mexican. Spanish yeah, violence. that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> Mexican on Mexican. Gordo. Violence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, but uh, I think he he like basically shepherded her in after seeing that movie. But it's been interesting. She hasn't really put anything out. Um, so this will be her, it's her and, and, uh, is it her doing every episode or is it just her doing well, some of them? IMDb has her listed as the only director, but it says six episodes. So I don't know if the season is only six episodes. Every other it. director here is like 29. The other seasons were, were 10 episodes. So if this is a, I mean, that would, that would probably be better. Cause it feels like all these true, even true detective season one, you had a couple of episodes in there where I was like, can we just speed things up? Can we get conclusion <laughs> already? I think season two is interesting as fuck. Um, I have I've my, come around to it. Yeah, I, during I, COVID, I went back to it and I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah, this is pretty yeah. solid. I think that's one of those ones that age is aging well. Uh, because at the time, it kind of threw me off a little bit. But then I was like, you know, it's kind of interesting. Like Vince Vaughn and fucking Colin Farrell and just being fucking like kind of like shit bags. I loved it. I was kind of like, you know, I kind of like think, hey, that wasn't that bad. And the mm-hmm. one with the uh, fucking... Uh, uh, dude from Moonlight, fucking uh, I'm a Marshall, Marshall, Marshall Ali. Ali. Yeah. I, first of all, uh, that guy has had a hell of a career. Um, former fucking basketball college star, uh, former rapper, um, who could actually kind of rap like low key a little bit, and then like this turn as an actor and one of the Oscar, like he's that dude's had a charmed fucking existence. Like he really, like when I really think about like when you really look into Mahershala Ali's life, you're like, yo, this dude is like fucking doing things that like are kind of like impressive. So, I mean, even though I'm not really big on a lot of his movies uh, necessarily, I think he's fine. Um, pause. I don't mean fine like that, but uh, I, I mean, I think he's, you know, I think he's a, a decent actor, uh, but I mean, I thought that that, that season um, it was, it was just okay. Yeah. I, I feel like it didn't know where to go once mm. it crossed the halfway mark and the conclusion didn't do it for me. I like mm. the two leads. I think him with Steven Dorff was yeah. great, but 
I think I, it's, I, I think, Jeremy Sargon, Sargon there, right? That Sargon, how do you say his fucking last name? So Pizzolatto can't get along with whoever he is collaborating with because he's scared off Fukunaga. And then Jeremy Saulnier was supposed to helm the whole season. Yeah. That fell apart after, I think, one or two episodes. And Saulnier, Saulnier was like, nah, I, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I can't work yeah. with this guy. Mm-hmm. So then Pizzolatto started directing episodes and they brought in like a third director, I think. Yeah. And, it wanted to be in the same deal as season two, which is I really think what the big problem with season two was not even necessarily the characters, of the story. I think it was not having a singular uh, voice as voice. the director there. Right. So uh, they wound up repeating that. And you just got like a very middling series. You need, you need a director who's not who's going to. And I think this is what Fukunawa did. Like, I think Fukunawa was just like, I know how to direct. I'm not going to try to alter the story in any kind of way. I'm just going to direct the fuck out of what we have. You know, and I feel like. Jeremy Saulnier, I can't say his fucking last name. I try. It sounds like I'm having a stroke when I say his last name. But uh, uh, fucking, I think that he's one of those directors that's a meddler. Like, you mm. know what I mean? And what I mean by that is like, he has to like fuck around. And like, you can fuck around, but there's a way to fuck around without like disrespecting the dude who's like wrote the shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's a that's a thing that like really good directors like. You don't subscribe to the Jodorowsky thought that you have to rape the material. You have to rape you, the script. Yeah, Jodorowsky's got a lot of interesting thoughts. <laughs> like he's definitely uh, uh, got some rapey thoughts for sure. Shout out to uh, Jodorowsky. Um, no, but uh, I do think it's a different. It just depends on like who you work with, like uh, who you collaborate with. But like there are different approaches. I feel like. Um, and I feel like certain certain people are just going to clash. Like I've witnessed it. Like I just I've witnessed that shit in real life, like on sets and shit that I've been on, like just, you know, in a very like specific capacity, just like, oh, like this guy has an ego with the director. Oh, like and watching the director kind of like tiptoe around the actor or like vice versa, like uh, or, or even like even me, like I've been on sets just to help a specific a specific actor. And then like I'm just there for that. But my presence is tolerated but like i know like the energy is kind of like the fuck is this guy doing here you know what i mean because like it's really like that like it's really like that when you get on some of these sets and it's like some of these people have clout so a guy like pillazado has clout and then a guy like jeremy sonley who's a director who kind of has some of his own clout probably not as much as nick uh specifically in the true detective world he doesn't i mean there is potential for them to like lock horns and not see eye to eye and i feel like the first season with carrie uh they were both kind of on an even keel, even level, because True Detective wasn't a thing yet. It was right. new. Mm-hmm. And then once they both had success, Carrie was like, I'm going to keep doing my thing over here. I don't really got to fuck with this anymore. And Nick was like, fine. Like, but 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 it just kind of worked out. And but who knows? I don't know. Fuck. I guess well, what his thing turned out to be what? 18, 19 year old girls because they wrote a mm. hit piece on him and his predilection for uh, adult legal teenagers or something. <laughs> Which is Ooh. why we haven't seen him since. Who Fukunawa? Yeah. Oh wow, I didn't. Ooh. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. I know that. He's got that kind of. He kind of likes him young, yeah, for sure. He's got that kind of face. I think every Hapa guy kind of has that look. Like, yeah, he he dated a teenager. He's got that Leo energy, big Leo energy. <laughs> Leo's like, listen, if you get to twenty five, I'm done. Like, look, <laughs> like once you get to twenty five, I'm out. So you know, uh, I whatever. But as long as it's legal, I guess I wouldn't do it personally. But you know. That, I, maybe that's because I have a daughter who's like around those younger ages. I just can't do it. It's weird to me. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's legal. So shout out to Carrie. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't condone it. I'm just whatever. I think uh, the the bigger grievance was him taking that Bond movie. I think as soon as he took that Bond movie, mm-hmm. he lost his auteur status. At least to me, I think you can't do that that type of film and yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard to retain any sort of sense of authorial with those movies. Like you, it's hard to be auteur at all because the the Bond franchise the estate so, will make all the decisions for you. You're right, just, the estate yeah. is like you can't do this, you can't do that. So yeah, unless I mean, you're brave enough to just do something completely crazy that they're not wouldn't let you, or the only reason why you sign up is because you're like, yeah, I'm, I want yeah. to do you my have own have, take you have to have on it. Considerable but... like, considerable like clout. To well, that's like the, the Marvel, right? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, the yeah. Bond is such a huge franchise that uh, they're not going to let you do much. So it's just like whoever they hire, does it really make a difference on on the movies? Just like those Marvel movies are just like, cool, do, if it has you, to look the same. If you fall into that weird territory where you can do that, they'll make sure like you're not canon, you're buried. Because they did the Casino Royale movie with Woody Allen and David mm-hmm. Niven, and that's pushed out that that's actually the more accepted of the two and then they did the one with sean connery in the 80s where he's like 55 and fucking kim basinger it's like a a remake of moonraker and they have tried to bury that movie they're like no that's not part of our series that's not a real movie just ignore that yeah yeah it's weird it's weird how how certain uh i get it on one level uh i get the appeal of that kind of movie for for someone making movies for sure but like i mean you know all that comes with it you know, um, a lot of a lot of that creative freedom. You just got to. The expectation is you don't have any. It's like working with Marvel. Like I get it from a from a level of like, oh, Kevin Feige's going to snatch up this upstart, budding filmmaker who has a f- festival darling movie, but and ruin what? their career. Right. But guess what? Kill their career. Do exactly what the yeah. fuck I say, and you're yeah. going to take this Marvel check and shut the fuck up. Like you know, and, and it's like I don't. Yeah. Feel, I feel like that stunts people's careers stunts their growth like even like coogler i'm like coogler's like wasting his time doing fucking those movies it's like dude you had potential like you know like you jumped from like fruitvale to fucking a rocky movie which was still a good rocky movie ish you know and and you still but it's like now you're doing black it's like why are you like i get it that's where the money is but it's like you've been now you've devoted like the last eight years to like are almost to those two black panther movies and like what's next you know what i mean like i feel like you squandered (laughs) You squat. You may financially it was probably his best thing for him. Financially, it's probably his bank account looks nice for it. But like, I feel like creatively, you know, like, where do you go from here? Like, do you do you double? Like, because a lot of these motherfuckers just double down. They just become James Gunn and like, this is all I'm doing now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it seems like that they forget how to actually make a movie. I mean, like a real movie yeah, after doing that for so long. Yeah, I, I say this all the time. Like, uh, Hollywood doesn't know how to. We, America, I say this in general. Like. America is not good at movies anymore. Like there are Americans who are, but a lot of them are like, you know, making them on the fringes. They're not like, because as a, as a whole, as an industry, Hollywood, we're not good at this shit no more, dog. Like all you gotta do is look to other countries like Korea and shit and see, oh yeah, they're just better. Like they're just better than us at this shit now. <laughs> like we used to but be I, I really think, good. Like, I, think, <laughs> I think what happened too is that whenever there's a like an indie success or an independent production, like, Blumhouse, who started interesting, it gets to a point of weird guy, weird guy. But it gets it gets (laughs) to a point of success where you kind of have to just start doing movies that anyone else would do. So you lose whatever indie, Hmm. whatever interesting 
think same happened with a24 right a24 the the first movies were like okay we're gonna try to do weird uh interesting things and then little by little as as their movies became more successful you kind of start losing the 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 weirdo aspect of it like the the more independent aspect of it because now it's like well it's an a24 movie so we have to go see it just because it's this but they're not anymore and i feel like that's that's what happens in in the states a lot where it's like you could be an indie darling but there's a limit and as soon as you get your first hit it's like okay well now i have to adjust to success so i can't have a bomb after my successful movie so i'm not gonna continue doing weirdo even though that's what gave me my success and instead uh it's like a like a flat line then because now blumhouse is like it it takes a horror fan like (laughs) which is something that we mentioned before where it's like as soon as they see that logo they're gonna support it no matter what but if you look at their track record it's like the the interesting movies were at the beginning and then everything just started getting watered down and now well they have that you're kind of right but also you got to remember when you really look at when you google bloomhouse movies and you look at all the movies they released you yeah. come to a different it paints a different picture where you're like wow like they made so many movies like they produced so many remember they produced that movie sliced with the fucking mm-hmm. pizza slice yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. werewolf movie with chance the rapper horrible bullshit they have a lot of movies like that they're just garbage oh, yeah. it's just the ones that hit hit so big and became so synonymous with the A24 brand that people just only think along the hit the lines of the hits, but they have a lot of misses. Like they significant, they have a lot of misses. So it is one of those things where you're right, though. They are kind of uh, they ha- they started out with like a few pretty uh, interesting movies. I mean, what was but- the first Bloomhouse hit? Paranormal Activity, which was a huge hit for something that had no money uh, yeah. or that didn't take that much money to produce, uh, yeah. and would you really think that they would take a, a, a risk that big anymore? Because uh, that's the thing that now it's a little just a lot safer than than trying and, and, to get. And I'm, a, glad, you, you I'm know. glad you're bringing up Blumhouse, uh, Hans, because it kind of ties back into the to the list because in horror in general, because it's January, what, fourth or third, third today fourth. and uh, fourth. And the first horror movie of the year came out. It's a Blumhouse movie. It's called Night Swim, and I haven't watched it. I'm not going to watch it, but if you see all the reviews so far, it looks like it's a piece of shit, but the people that go to see it are all these horror people that will see any fucking thing you put in the movie theater that's a fucking horror movie. Um, It looks stupid. It's like, what if Marco Polo, the the game, was a horror movie? Like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, what is going on? You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, so that's the type of movies that are being released and, and and who knows in 2020 at the end of this year there'll be a list and somebody will probably have night swim on it for <laughs> like probably it'll probably be one of these other people's uh so yeah um where was i now back on the list okay so i said in eastman was my number four right that's right okay so now we're in my top three so these are a little bit less controversial i feel like because i think this my third it appeared on um was it the rolling stone list one of these lists um and that is it's a filipino movie um it's called in my mother's skin um so uh, i think you can stream this on prime uh you guys familiar with in my mother's skin you haven't heard anything about in my mother's no, skin? i haven't oh uh, it's interesting it's a fucking weird ass movie um so yeah it's this filipino movie uh that take i believe it takes place during like uh i want to say is it world war ii uh and more or less like yeah 
the it's, it's like um oh guess what it's on yts yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> it's, it's, a fucking, it, it's, it's a fucking it's, it's surprisingly like uh when it goes when when it goes there it goes there like in terms of like the moments of like brutality and horror and shit like it goes there but it's weird because it has this weird like sick fairy tale kind of thing going on too because these two kids are basically left alone in this big kind of like mansion with their mother who's sick their father's left to go do some shit in the war they don't know if he's going to come back she gets sick the girl follows her brother one day because they don't have any food in the house they want to go out she goes through the forest uh they're coming across dead bodies and shit um people that have been murdered casualties of this fucking conflict in the philippines uh apparently or some shit uh she comes to this weird little abandoned looking house this fucking fairy who looks kind of like uh rita repulsa from the power rangers dripped out like she's like appears and uh offers to help this girl um and immediately you're like yo what the fuck is going on like don't trust this weird you know fairy woman whatever uh and the girl doesn't she's hesitant but the girl tells her if you need anything come to me come to me uh and i think she's the house that that she goes to there's a dead body in there and the assumption is like that this was the person that the fairy previously was helping or whatever uh but her mother gets sick uh and she's dying so she does go to the fairy she gives her like a jar with a cicada in it ironically first movie number 10 involves cicadas this one does as well uh, I don't know why, but cicadas are in, I guess. She takes it, puts the cicada, the cicada crawls into her mother. Her mother becomes basically like taken over by the cicada, uh, starts fucking killing, eating people type shit. Uh, eating is probably not the case. Uh, a lot of death happens. Uh, movie goes really dark. Two children in peril. Um, it goes harder than you expect. Like, put it that way. Like, it's one of those movies that kind of keeps you like, is this going to be like some, and it's like, no. And every moment it reminds you like, no, there, this is the Philippines. There's no rules here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's my number three. It's, it's a interesting movie, movie with a budget, a movie that's accessible. Uh, again, prime it's on prime. I think if you have a prime membership, you can watch it, stream it. It's great. Um, yeah. Now I'm down to my top two. Now my top two are more obvious because I did episodes about both of these fucking movies. <laughs> uh, 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 but my number two is Venus. Um, now Venus is kind of a crime horror hybrid. Uh, it's by uh, one of the directors of the Rec, the Rec series, um, uh, Wame Balaguerro. Um, okay. Yeah. And I know you're probably familiar with Balaguerro. Uh I will watch anything he does pretty much even, even if it's not, cause I know it's, it's going to be well-made even if I don't, you know, fuck with it a hundred percent. I just think he's a competent craft craft at a craft level as a director. And his shit's usually fairly entertaining and interesting. Um, and this movie's basically your simple setup of a girl stealing drugs. Um, I did a whole episode on it. Like a girl steals some drugs um, from her employer at this club that she works at as a dancer. Um, she gets caught in the process gets into an altercation one of the goons that works for her boss manages to like injure him and get injured in the process but escape goes to a fucking her sister who stays in madrid but unbeknownst to her her sister's house is what she perceives to be haunted uh but there's a lot more to it uh it devolves into some like weird cult shit uh it goes full horror um by the end it changes it like it plays with the expectations of both genres what I was saying about it with uh, on my in the episode I did with uh, Evan, uh, shout out to Evan Dean Shelton, was that like it's one of those movies that has this interesting kind of idea where it's like 
it puts the main character in this interesting position where it's like, okay, what movie do you want to be in? These are your choices. You can stay inside this fucking apartment high rise and be in a fucking horror movie, or you can go outside and be in a fucking crime thriller. Either way, you're fucked. Like, and then the and then the movies enjoy, they become one at the end, and I, I really liked it. People people say it ends kind of abruptly, but I I like that. I like the way it ends personally. Um, have you guys heard of Venus at all? Probably no, not. but I'm taking a look at it. It looks very Silent Hill meets Left for Dead. There's like a big mm. obese woman with a gimp mask. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the big the big obese woman. Uh, her 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 reveal in the movie with her giant wet tits is really crazy. It looks really strange, really disturbing. Um, yeah, uh, slimy wet tits. It's very strange. Uh, Hans, is that what you look like at your fattest? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. Uh, it's not that different. I'm, and, I'm a lot paler, uh, less less <laughs> skin pigmentation, but yeah, it's not that different. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's it's definitely a fun movie. It's definitely um, it's definitely under the radar. Didn't get a lot of. Uh, I feel like I feel I've seen a few people talk about it, but it's not really one that people are really. Uh, I feel like the the awareness for it is very low. Um, but yeah, that's my number two, and my number one at this point should be obvious which is uh, When Evil Lurks. Hans, I'm pretty sure you saw this. I don't know if Jay's seen it. No, um, I thought you were going Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. <laughs> no, oh. Blood and Honey. No, uh, is that 2022 or 2023? I don't know. Oh, that's 2023, I believe. Fuck. Oh, my God. No, no. It didn't, uh, yeah. Pooh didn't make the list. Uh, <laughs> Pooh didn't make the list. Maybe it'll be an honorable mention. Um, but uh, I just, When Evil Lurks, again, I liked uh, the director's other movie, Terrified. Uh, I guess he's Argentinian. Um movies just the movie has multiple fucked up moments like multiple moments that are like memorable hans you did see it right yeah 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 yeah, yeah so, I, I enjoyed i enjoyed so the, most so of the it moments, i, I the remember mom, the the dog the ending, and the girl was kind of like uh, the dog and the girl moment yeah. that's one of the ones the the uh there's a moment with a uh an axe with a wife and husband there's that moment um there's also a there's a there's like at least three or four moments that are like so fucking like like makes you stop like oh fuck like it goes there in a way that like American movies like to think they do um, again it's not again this is a very I feel like this movie's on a lot of people's list it is it is it is yeah. the one movie that appears across pretty much I feel like at least three of the four lists I think maybe. Um, but it's the one, the reason it appears is because it's the one valid movie. <laughs> like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the one valid film on all of these lists that comes out. Is like, and it's usually high. Uh, and they get it right once. It's, and it's a Shutter release, too, which is like, Shutter usually has one of these a year. Where it's like one movie that's legitimately, like, not bad. Like, that's getting hyped. And it, Wait, no. Is it, it's IFC, not Shutter. No, Shutter put it out. Oh, really? I, it's IFC Shutter oh. together. It's one of those weird, oh, like, okay. IFC Shutter kind of. I don't know. Like, oh, so, yeah. so like it got released uh, on shutter. I don't know if I think IFC did the fucking the theatrical limited or something like that. And then shutter did the official streaming release or some shit like that. Something like that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the movie that like when people talk about when the horror fans talk about it, it's like, okay, yeah, that's the legit, that's a legit one. That's the one that, uh, and again, there's no, it's kind of interesting because it is a, it is a horror, it is a possession movie, but it treats, yeah. the, it, it, treats the possession like an infection um and like it, how it, it's like and it infects 
the whole area. Like, it's not just like, oh, this one person's possessed. Like, it's like, no, once this happens, everyone is affected. Like, you know what I mean? To a certain degree. And there's a goal. There's a goal with the, with the possession, too. Like, so well, the thing is, what is it that as, as if the person that's possessed, then the demon is able to get out of the body right, and the, the demon anyone is else? Basically taking to, it's, the, 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 the demon is a parasite more or less mm. it's in living within the possessed host making them sick that's why they, they, they refer to the possessed person as the rotten right so and literally the person is rotting like the guy looks fucking mm. disgusting he looks like yeah uh fucking i don't know uh he looks like uh what's dude in a, um uh split no no splice what is that james gunn looks like tim with... dillon like no. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like tim dillon naked no um it looks uh, like 600 pound man but yeah. with like pus <laughs> yeah pus he looks like the whale he looks like brendan fraser in the whale yeah. <laughs> but disgust like even more disgusting which is pretty pretty fucked up uh he looks like brendan fraser and uh and uh the killers of the flowers moon uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> god he was he was so bad in that movie i know that people already said that you know i was a latecomer to that movie but he really does yank you right out mm -hmm. when he stands up and starts bellowing mm -hmm. all his dialogue yeah. yeah he's very very hokey um you free is that george of the jungle uh shit comes back you're like oh yeah there's mm -hmm. a reason you were in like george of the jungle and biodome and all this other shit. well that's the thing <laughs> right it's like he was never like a real actor it's like oh he's fun right. he's in shape so that's why did the mummy movies yeah movies. like yeah the jungle fucking he's like, like good action uh, right he was never actor, a he but... was never a Oh, he did. What was he in school ties? Oh, that's a good question. But Ben uh, Affleck, he was. But Ben Affleck is like uh, pretending, or, or is either him? He's pretending not to be a Jew yeah. in this school, and they're like, they find out he's a Jew, and they're like, "You're a fucking Jew," and they start beating him. And shit. It's very anti-Semitic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> crazy. That's a crazy movie. Uh, the anti-Semitism in that era was wild. Um, but yeah, fucking that was a serious role. But then I feel like the re the rest of his movies are like uh, they're not. They're they're like goofy. Well, that's what they try yeah. to do, right? Once someone goes away and they come back, it's like, mm -hmm. well, now it's your comeback to being a real actor. And then you look at his IMDb, and it's like, mm -hmm. okay, so you got uh, George of the Jungle, you got Blast from the Past, you got The Mummy, you got Doodly Do Right. right. Sin Sinbad? Oh, that's an animation. You got yeah, bedazzled. What, what was the monkey one that, bone that he did right before the fall off? It was like Looney Tunes back in action. Maybe <laughs> yeah. it was Journey to the Center of the, the, the Earth. Yeah, he's got a weird. His filmography is like strange. It's not like he's got like a Polly Shore kind of filmography. Yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's not and, like uh, it's not like he was De Niro before. You know, like like. Uh, but that's the thing like uh the, what's his name uh cast him on the whale just because he was fat right that's uh, Aaron Oscar, and because he hasn't been around yeah he hasn't been around in a while and it's like oh cool so you can be you can act gross as a fat man that's his arc as a celebrity and actor is the sympathetic fatso like yeah oh yeah. wow he was handsome once upon a time he was a leading man and now He's John Goodman size. Circa uh, uh, what was what was uh, your uh, low res? What was your uh, fucking uh, letterbox review of that movie again? <laughs> I don't know. It's something very uh, fat. You know, I said something pretty mean about it. I think I think I said something like, look at this fat fuck. You yeah, know, it, was something, it was something to the point, you know.
<laughs> I felt like that was a pretty accurate review for, for the, what, the whale. <laughs> uh, let me see. I have it pulled up right here. Let me quote you. It says, I liked it better when it was called the wrestler. Oh, that's not that mean. No, he changed it. No, I, ch I, ch I did a real review oh, later did. on. He changed well. it. That yeah, wasn't the original. <laughs> review. Oh, okay. That doesn't sound. Yeah. I'm looking yeah. at his, I'm looking at his, his filmography and it's, it's, whew, it, it's pretty crazy. He's, he's got, it's uh, very nineties. He's in school. Yeah, he was in school ties for sure. I was right about that. But he's furry vengeance. The fuck. Uh, oh, airheads. God, I forgot about that. Encino yeah. Man, Looney Tunes, back in action. Bedazzled. Uh, GI Joe: Rise of the Cobra, Journey to the Center Earth, George of the Jungle, the two Mummy movies. Yes, it was never about him being a thespian. You know, he's, I mean, never, he's, got, uh, he's got a few. Yeah. He's got a few like movies that are like movie movies in there but like they're not like anything that's like fucking it's not the godfather or anything you know what i mean like it's not like it's not like some shit that they're like wow you know like yeah none of this is like in the army now again dudley do right yeah. david spade that dicky roberts movie dicky roberts former child star he did dicky roberts <laughs> Oh no. He did Dickie Roberts. I don't know what his role was in Dickie Roberts, uh, but he was in Dickie Roberts. Uh he was in that awful, awful uh fucking Paul Haggis crash. Uh wow. Um that movie, that talk about a movie that uh got away with some shit. <laughs> like that movie aged like fucking milk. Uh that got Oscars and all kind of shit. But it's a best horrible, picture. Yeah, that movie's horrible. Uh yeah, so I'll round out my top 10 and then we can kind of like uh, probably throw in some movies that are probably, I guess, honorable mentions, I guess. Uh, so, yes, from number 10 to number one, I got number 10, The Sound of Summer. Number nine, Capsules. Number eight, Loop Track. Number seven, 15 Cameras. Six, Red Rooms. Five, Lockdown Tower. Four in Eastman, three in My Mother's Skin, two Venus, and one When Evil Lurks. There are ten horror films that aren't absolutely abysmal. Um, are they the greatest movies of 2023? Certainly not. Uh, but um, looking at these other lists, the list I was reading, um, you won't kill yourself probably. Trying to go through the feed. Uh, uh, well, I will say this: uh, there are some movies on here uh, that aren't on this list that are obvious ones that I feel like pop up on lists. And I do want to talk about those. And I know they're movies that you guys have probably seen. Uh, first is infinity pool. Um, it's not on my list. It won't even make honorable mentions for my, for me. What, what are you guys thoughts on infinity pool? I thought it was a completely, it was, first of all, it was a letdown because I did enjoy possessor. Uh, mm. I, I just thought it was completely mid like, you know, like, yeah. Definition See, of with Brandon Cronenberg, we did a show on Possessor back in 2020 mm -hmm. since that was a pretty scarce year for movies, mm -hmm. for new movies. And my feeling with Possessor was that I liked the visuals of it when I when I saw like the flat look of it. But then when applied in the movie, it didn't really do much for me. And then the, the movie itself was very thin and I felt more or less nothing after yeah. it ended. And I yeah. didn't feel compelled to go back and go through that experience again where it's like the visuals look cool you're luring me in with the marketing the iconography of this film is very compelling but if you don't have anything to back it up and make it worth my dollar then i'm not going to check it out so i didn't check out infinity pool oh you didn't see it at all no i didn't no oh you didn't miss yeah it. i <laughs> uh, i did i did like possessor a lot more um 
I feel like Infinity Pool was one of those movies where they they sell you the movie as it being more extreme than it actually is, and yes. then you watch it and you just kind of like, okay, this is kind of. Uh, I I I understand what they're trying to do with it, but then it, it it doesn't go far enough. It doesn't go hard enough. So then you just kind of like in the middle, uh, which it, and it's weird coming from from a weirdo like Brandon Cronenberg. Uh, that he, I don't know if it's the studio that didn't let him push a little bit more, but that that was my issue with this movie. That it starts with a cool premise, but then as you watch it you just kind of like uh, all right it, it's is he a weirdo though is, i feel like he's just trying to be his dad i feel like he's trying he looks way weird. too hard to <laughs> well if you, if you if th- you if you realize if you realize that david cronenberg's the brood is about his father's and mother's like relationship then he's probably fucked up kid bro <laughs> like let's be real like uh the cronenberg's got some shit going on you know like like um so while he is definitely a nepo baby uh to a certain degree i do think that like the cronenberg's are a fucking weird family um so he's probably got a lot to draw from uh but that being said uh i think he missed the mark with infinity pool was like the raw of this year do you remember raw which was this I actually, pr- I actually I was- liked Raw. I actually liked Raw. I do remember Raw. Um, I actually liked Raw more than I liked Titan, which was her follow-up movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but I think my, my issue with that one is mm-hmm. the same thing that it's like, oh my God, so many people are passing out in the theater. Oh my God, these person shit themselves because they were so afraid of the movie and that threw up or whatever. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like, and you watch it and you're okay, so there's parts of it when you're like oh my god she's but just eating like her scabs this, but but uh darkarno that's her how you say what's her name darkarno julia darkarno i'm probably mm. fucking her name up uh she is uh much like brandon cronenberg is sort of like a fake cronenberg too so you know what i mean like so like it's kind of they're kind of in the same genre of fake fake um, right you're brandon's dad fake <laughs> like you know what i mean the fake <laughs> version of that they're not really like treading on new territory and it's weird when you make like uh movies about sex in the studio in tw- in like yeah. now like you can't you have to go outside you have to like make it independent you can't do a sex movie um any movie with sex like and make it through the studios even if it has like financing and you're working with like uh production companies that are like studio adjacent like you're probably not going to be able to make a sex movie that goes that has any libido whatsoever unless it's like unless it's like a a libido that's safe like if you're like a a, a lesbian's cool you can you can depict lesbian sex as much as you want even even like man on man homosexuality you can go probably ham with that like you can have like buttholes and all kind of shit you could go you can go as far as you want probably within the lines well doesn't that movie that saltburn movie has something like that i haven't seen it no there's 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 nothing in saltburn it's It's not even gay it's interesting it's interesting because lorez i saw you liked saltburn which is i did yeah this is surprising i haven't yet to watch it i really think emerald phenol is is not good so i'm interested in like seeing her direct because i really think she's bad like, I didn't. But, I didn't see. But, but, I didn't but, see promising young woman. Promising I didn't young know woman who is, she was. It's like so. Yeah. I, so. I like Saltburn, but there's an aspect of the ending where I'm like, "This is a stupid movie," but it was an enjoyable movie. <laughs> <laughs> I still rated it pretty high, but I, that might just be more of a reflection of the year. Have someone referred know. to like uh, Finall as like uh, someone with like a room temperature IQ that like 
doesn't really like it was like really eviscerating like and i was like yeah you know they're kind of cooking though a little bit though like yeah i mean yeah with saltburn it kind of feels that way it's like the director is not like a particularly smart director Mm -hmm. but i think the combination of like all the creative decisions made it a fun and enjoyable movie is it a smart i might might enjoy it you never know because it it seems like it's like trashy and kind of in a way that might be fun like you know what i mean i don't know though yeah kind of i mean it's it's a little bit like uh it's like a low iq barry linden or, Mm -hmm. or a movie like that I'm I'm into low IQ Barry Lyndon. <laughs> that sounds like it could be fun. Um, okay. But, so- uh, what I was what I was gonna say is that uh, I feel like one of the reasons why these movies don't really work uh, when it comes to shocking the audience uh, to the level of something like The Exorcist, uh, even though a lot of them are marketed like that, or they try to make you believe that you know you're gonna feel what people were feeling in 1970, whenever that came out is that now we have access to people being bombed and murdered on our phone at any point. So when you don't go harder than that, then you're not really surprised or shocked anymore as much as you would in the 70s when the internet's not even a thing. And and you would only get, you know, uh, you would have to go find, I guess, a dirty, uh, blurry uh, VHS to, to see content like that. But now... Whenever they um, advertise these movies as like, oh my God, so many people in the theater passed out. And uh, and then you watch it. And you're just like, I can find more horrible shit on my Twitter right now just by going down as to what's right. actually happening in the world. So shocking you or trying to make you believe that this movie is going to affect you so much. And then you watch it, you're just kind of like, all right. And, and that was my issue with Infinity Pool that I was like, cool. So this, the reviews were like, this movie goes so hard. This movie is going to shock you. This movie, and then you watch it. And <laughs> you watch it. It's like, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. I understand. Oh, okay. He's horny. Oh, okay. He <laughs> hits someone with a hammer. You know what I mean? Like, so it's very, when it comes to this, like it the feels, scale of. Re- it feels so removed. Like there's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's so at a distance of like what's happening like you just don't feel anything like you know i didn't care if everyone got killed like i just didn't give a fuck like you know what i mean like they didn't feel like even like they're like cloning these people i'm like why like the clone like they don't need clones they're fucking already drones like you know what i mean like they're not like it just didn't feel like anything like and that was a choice i assume uh but it was a choice that kind of like to me backfired for the movie yeah, I mean, well, even I, with to this... what you're saying, oh. I was going to say to what you're saying real quick, that is why I don't trust these directors like the woman who did Titan or um, Brandon Cronenberg here. It's like you're you're marketing on like, can you can you believe they did that in a movie? It's like, yeah, I can believe it. It's fake. It's fucking <laughs> it sucks. Um, there's nothing shocking about that anymore. I think the only way to shock audiences reliably I, with gore and all that, I think we're past that. I think we, we're just, yeah. we hit that limit. Unless the internet disappears tomorrow and 30 years after that pass, then we can't mm-hmm. go back to that. That's not going to be effective. There's nothing you can do that will ever shock the audience um, in a really visceral, jarring way, like it might have in the 70s. I think the only way to do that now is having characters succumb to fates or make decisions um, that you would not anticipate and having an investment in those characters and feeling a betrayal of some sort from the movie in that moment. That's the only way to 
really do that. I yeah, think the George R. R. Martin technique. <laughs> yeah, sure. Of like, you know, just like I build it up and then just kill this person. Like, just fuck you. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm not you're do, I'm doing everything to tell you I'm not about to do this and get you invested in. Or you yeah. could do it the Spike Lee way with. um, What God, what was the what was the movie where the preacher that the lovable preacher you've you've been following for an hour of the movie Red Hook turns Summer? out to be a pedophile. He Red gets, Hook yes, Summer? Red Hook Summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I fuck kids. Yeah, oh, he, shit. Gets, he gets outed by <laughs> Coleman Domingo 80 minutes into the movie. Twist. I'm just like, oh, this, like, oh, shit. this Man, guy I like. really swinging for the fences with that one. Yeah. yeah well, well that's the thing. I don't, th- I don't think filmmakers are, are brave enough to do that anymore, right? You can't have an unlikable main character. You can't have a, someone that has faults because then the audience is not going to connect with them. They have to be perfect. They have to be and then how interesting is it to which a perfect character just be perfect and oh oh no he he smoked the joints isn't that it's like make them human like they don't feel human so it's very at least for me very difficult for me to connect or care when one of those characters like infinity pool the main character i was just like okay kill him like who cares let's move on from him because he's kind of boring he doesn't really have much of a personality he doesn't have much going on for me to be like i care for his death you know and older movies were able to just have flawed made characters where you can you can feel like they're at least human beings as opposed to someone that you've never met in your entire life because no one's that perfect you know right no, I think it's uh, it's funny you mentioned Red Hook Summer. It's so fucking random. <laughs> uh, I was I was watching uh, briefly. I was watching like a Spike Lee talk with Bradley Cooper about the Maestro. Um, oh yeah. And I was just like, Spike. I guess Spike really liked the Maestro. Um, and I'm just like, he's really lost it. Well, what is he gonna be like, like man? Man, your point. movie's a piece of shit, and then never get invited back for whatever variety. Well, here's the thing. There. Here's the thing, though. Spike was like, I seen this movie three times, and he's like, I, you screened it for my my, I guess him and his wife, and then he screened it at his because he's you know he's been a teacher at NYU forever. He screened it for my students, and then I watched it again. And now I want a screener for it so I can vote for it or whatever. And I'm like, so Spike legitimately likes this, but wow. I have, I do know that Spike does have some kind of taste because I was at a. Uh, a DGA screening uh, that the director or doesn't wasn't the DGA. It was a they sh- they the screening was at the Writers Guild Theater in LA, I think, and it was uh, Frank Grillo was there, which red flag already uh, in terms of the quality of the movie. <laughs> Shout out to him. <laughs> uh, but he was screening this movie. It's that movie, Black and Blue. Um, and uh, I guess Tyrese had, had had invited Spike to see the movie, and Spike showed up right to support, I guess, and see the movie. But like. Spike didn't say a nice word about this movie. Spike walked in, watched the movie, dabbed people up, peaced out, boom. And I, I got the sense like, oh yeah, Spike still has taste. Like he, he didn't, he wasn't fucking with this movie, right? And I'm just like looking at that, and then I'm like, but then I watched the Bradley Cooper interview, and I'm like, he, he likes the maestro like that, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like Spike is one of those filmmakers who, who like he still. I don't know if he has good movies left in him, but I have hope that he does. Because some of the older guys still like this year, for example, Scorsese and Michael Mann deliver two great movies. They still got it. Mm -hmm. I hope Spike still has it. I it would be sad if he didn't. Um, 
I don't think he's got. I think <laughs> I think Black Landsman was his swan song there. I think he likes he likes the the bottle a little too much, mm. and that's really it. Is he can hide that when there's a whole infrastructure behind him to help support him? Because that and even like I didn't really like it, but uh, yeah. uh, was it The Five Bloods? Yeah, I thought that movie was competent, and I was able to watch it and not hate it. It certainly was not as bad as like everything before Black Klansman, basically. Um, I, I don't know about Black Klansman because I refuse to kind of watch it, uh, just based on like a lot of things. I'm sure it's fine, but I will. I do appreciate Black Klansman for giving Spike the moment of that he had at the Oscars, which is not when he won the Oscar. It was after. Do you remember walking you know out? About? When he's walking yes. out and they yeah. asked him about fucking uh, Green Book and it was those yep. British guys and he was like, uh, not my cup of tea. I was like, yes, <laughs> that was like that was his swan song right there. Where it's like, see, he still has taste. And it's like, not my yeah, Green Book was a piece of shit. You're right, Spike. Like, it, so I don't know. Like, it's interesting to watch uh, filmmakers who have made work that you respect, even though like there's a lot of criticisms I have for Spike. I've been had him, but he he does have some like great films under his belt for sure. Well, let me tell you what he has upcoming. Uh, oh, movie God. called Prince of Cats, which is an 80s hip-hop retelling of the uh, Shakespeare's timeless classic Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. He did this already uh, with Chirac. It was fucking terrible. Chirac was horrible. <laughs> horrible. I couldn't believe Amazon gave him the money for that movie. Who's putting this out, Hans? Um, uh, Hold on. No, but you, I've forgot to mention one important bit here it says that there's underground sword dwelling uh between the montags and the capulets in brooklyn uh so that's what that movie is uh just watch i'll just watch and, baz lerman's romeo and juliet yeah why is he going yeah. up against baz lerman in that department <laughs> yeah yeah i'll just rewatch that if i need to see a remake of uh, romeo and juliet and uh, then i mean it's imdb so i don't know if any of these are happening or not but they are coming uh, another one is called boner which is a musical about the origin of viagra Spike uh, uh, wait, a musical yeah, about yeah. the origin of Viagra directed by Spike yeah. Lee is called, called Boner. Boner. Wow, yeah, he's really done. He's really finished, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. to Spike. Damn. You hate to see him. Yeah, yeah. Hate to see one of the uh, iconic New York filmmakers go down like that. But but damn. Yeah. Um, you did mention The Exorcist before we go. I know you guys saw The Exorcist. Uh, yes. I do think it's funny that No List is on No List. <laughs> Which, because... how, do you have, how do you have Renfield on a list and not fucking The Exorcist? I mean, I mean, I don't think The Exorcist should be on a list, but like I've seen Renfield on someone's list. <laughs> like what the fuck but that's their um, friend right 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 probably probably i don't i don't i'm i don't think i'm gonna see renfield but uh it was just very disappointing uh mm -hmm. i i i think and i don't want to speak for boris even though we did a full episode on it mm -hmm. uh we were expecting a little bit more from halloween remake director you I know and at david least Go make it fun i believe that david <laughs> gordon green um is the exception to the rule uh when it comes to or no he's not even the exception to the rule. let me not even say that typically when you get a director who's known for other things outside the genre comes he usually makes a better version of a horror movie right um but he decided to stick around and make a series of horror movies and i think it's showing now like that would be like if like uh fucking i don't know who made like uh roman polanski made rosemary's baby and then decided i'm gonna make three rosemary baby movies and then after that i'm gonna do another three horror movies like you know what i mean like it, it's like you did your one 
or you did your whatever leave like go back to making shit like you don't want to be here like what are you doing yeah. like uh you know that's what i kind of feel like with him like he's like isn't there supposed to be two more exorcist movies after that like some yep. shit like that like so i mean like why are you like all of a sudden you've had this i get it like this shit's getting greenlit okay but like do you, i don't think he likes these movies like you know what i mean like i don't think he really gives a fuck which is a could be a good thing sometimes but also it's like it's kind of like, or is this a chore for you? Like, you know what I mean? Is this like a fucking chore? Like, oh, here's this fucking exorcist movie. Let me just fucking. Yeah, the exorcist <laughs> believer, I think it's hitting a point where he feels maybe tapped out on what mm. he has to contribute to the horror genre. And also Dan uh, Danny McBride was not as involved with that one as he was with the other mm. uh, Halloween movies that they had worked on together. And it seemed like there was a gradual weeding out of both of them from the, the screenwriting process. If you mm -hmm. look at the Halloween trilogy that they did, it's like they add one more screenwriter for every movie. Right. And now yeah. with this one, a lot of the fun of those Halloween, the sequels specifically from 2021 and 2022 was void of uh, Exorcist Believer. The best part was when you had the lead guy sitting down with the homeless men. And he's like seriously trying to talk to them and they're just like doing this, talking about his daughter <laughs> in the woods. So... Yeah. Uh, for the audio listeners, I was doing a penis and vagina <laughs> hand gesture there. So, and then getting worked up because they didn't take him seriously. You know, I feel like they, a little little bits of it crept in here and there, but it mm. wasn't enough. And I didn't hate Exorcist Believer. I was probably one of the more ardent defenders of it when we did our show. I will say some time has passed and I'm less fond of many aspects of the movie, but I still don't think it's like one of the one of the all-time worst movies in, yeah. of the Exorcist series or anything like that. Um, in, in terms of the year, I, I'll give a quick breakdown of some of the horror movies I've watched. Mm. Renfield was by far the worst. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh, uh, Blood and Honey was also almost as yeah. terrible as Renfield. <laughs> I watched a movie called um, Zombie Town because it had like Dan Aykroyd and who was it? Chevy Chase might have been in it. That was pretty wow. bad. So, oh, and uh, one of the guys from Kids in the Hall, that that movie sucked. Um, Haunting in Venice. I don't even know how those movies are making money and getting either, sequels. I yeah, I don't know who's going to see those shits. <laughs> yeah, Evil Dead Rise. I, I was with it the first 30 was, minutes or so. I'm going to bring this one up. I'm going to bring this one up. Okay, because this is one that made a lot of people's list. Uh, and, and when I watched it, I was like, I could see how this is going to make list. It's not on mine, um, but I will say this. There's a few things about this movie. Um, it's competently made, okay? I know, that, I know that Hans doesn't think it's an Evil Dead movie. I disagree, but I understand why you say that. And here's what I mean by that. It's not an Evil Dead movie in the fact that it doesn't have Ash, right? That's the main component, yeah. right? It doesn't have fucking Ash. <laughs> it does have all of, the, all of the elements, right, of Evil Dead in terms of like, the literal, the Necronomicon, the chainsaw, all of the iconography. And this director is doing like, the issue for me is this is a perfectly fine movie and even probably a great movie for people who haven't seen like all the other horror movies because his, the, the things that he's pulling from are so obvious. Like, not only is he pulling from Evil Dead, like literally he, he repurposes the eyeball shit where the eyeball from Evil Dead 2 flies out the mouth. He took he literally takes that, has a guy's eyeball flying to a dude's mouth. But then he steals the uh, from The Shining with the elevator blood flood, right? Hmm. Then he steals from Aliens with the ending where Newt gets taken by the queen. 
It's the same shit. Like he's his references are so obvious. Like it's competent, like competently made. Um, the guy can knows how to kind of like point a camera in the right direction. Um, also, I did like the casting in terms of like, I think they cast that movie for the, the, the actor's eyes. If you notice how those actors eyes look peering through a face full of blood, it's very striking. But again, it's all it's but you just ultimately leave the movie feeling nothing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, they, they did the chainsaw again. Here's a chainsaw. They chopped it off. Oh, it's cop. It's competent. It's just competent. And it's like, OK, like, I don't know. It's Evil Dead. I don't I don't know. Like, I don't fucking know. It's just one of those movies where I, I expected it to be on a lot of people's list. And I get it. But it's just like I get why people don't fuck with this movie, too. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I know people that are just like, this movie is stupid. <laughs> like, like, you know, it's not. But it is. If that makes any sense. I I think visually, and I think the performances were good. Uh, my biggest issue is just just stop using that title. Like it's it's because okay, so the first Evil Dead was serious. It wasn't that comedic, right? right? Yeah. But yeah. the only reason why that franchise is a franchise is because of the performance of a comedic uh, physical comedy actor, uh, one of the best, uh, who did that on the other two movies. Right. So then turn it into evil book movie uh, or <laughs> evil spirit that lives in a book movie. I like this. I like, like the Fetty one. I remember liking the Fetty one. But again, now that I think about it in times past, the Fetty one has similar issues, you know, yeah. similar issues where it's like, this is a fine horror movie. Um, it's fine. It does some interesting things with the premise, I guess. But ultimately, I just feel like it's kind of like, you're right. It's it's just it's not a difficult concept, right? It's like it's yeah. evil book. It's evil probably book though. It that, is probably it's, it you is would probably. be horrible at marketing, Hans. It's called <laughs> yeah, the evil, evil book. book. It's evil book. Yeah. No, no. But what I mean is like the concept of the movie is like there's an evil book that's in this cabin, and oh no, what's gonna happen with the evil book? I do feel the like it's kind of the new alien though, in a weird kind of way, maybe. Well, it could be because what I mean by that is, uh, it depends on what this director does after this, but. It kind of feels like a movie that a franchise that launches a director now, like, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. Fetty got launched after that. Uh, obviously, Sam Raimi got launched after it. You know, yeah. if this guy gets does something better then like, then it's kind of like feels like a new alien a little bit. You know what I mean? Like our alien launched, you know, obviously. Oh, yeah. Fucking James Cameron on the second one, you know, Ridley on the first and then Fincher on the third. Like, you know what I mean? Like it became one of those things until they ruined it and brought in that one dude. And then like, you know, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it feels like that franchise. And honestly, as much criticism as I have for it, I do feel like it is probably one of the better franchises just because like the movies aren't completely horrible. They're just like, I don't, yeah, I don't think there's a bad evil dead. Right. Yeah. Right. They're not because even, even the, that remake, even that remake, it's, it's competent. Again, it's, it's right. got some cool visuals. It's got good performances. I, my, my issue is just that, that, okay, so you're marketing it with that name, but it has the only thing that it has in common with the originals is just a book in a cabin. And well, Ash is in that one. At the end, <laughs> at the end, his jeans show up, his legs show <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, yeah, but... Ash, Ash makes his appearance. And I do feel like the, the like Rob Tappert and Raimi, they have like an out with the fans where they're like, dude, we just did a whole series on stars with, with Ash. Like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, they could always just be like, go, you want Ash? We did a whole series with him. 
fucking Bruce Campbell walking around shooting yeah. fucking it's evil. Great. Dead. No, I, yeah. Yeah. So. But, but the, I guess that's my issue. I don't. I don't hate it. I I did enjoy some of the aspects of it. I thought. Uh, uh, it did surprise me on some of the kills and some of the visuals. Um, but my biggest issue is just that, that, okay, so you're marketing us something that is, does anyone, so the people that you're attracting are fans of Evil Dead because that's why you put the name on it. If anyone recognizes Evil Dead and they've seen it, this is nothing like those movies. So right. then what's the point? It's like doing a, a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, but oh, Freddy's not here anymore. And instead, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, literally anyone else that it, it only attacks you when you take naps, not when you actually take deeper sleep. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's yeah, very, yeah, yeah. it feels like it's a, it's a very cheap way of selling something that doesn't really have that much in common with the original one or the so, reason why people like those movies. So right? Lorez didn't finish it then, right? You say you didn't finish it. No, no, no. I, I finished it. I liked the first 30 minutes oh, more okay. than the rest of the movie. That okay. was where, and I thought it wound up just being kind of middling. It didn't leave much of an impression on me, mm. but especially when I did start the movie and I got into it, I was like, all right, well, this, this is actually going better than what I was expecting. Right. And then it just kind of like all of these movies, it fell in the middle and it didn't do anything that, is going to stick with you after yeah, the conclusion of the film pretty much and it's it has one of the worst posters ever too the poster looks like shit it's bad uh, yeah it's a pretty bad yeah. poster i'm like god damn dog like poster kind of like put me off a little bit i was just like oh fuck yeah uh, the movie's better than the poster i will say that the movie is better than the poster um a few more things a few more movies that i feel like we should talk about because they got mentioned already in the early which is because I keep seeing these movies um, and I do want to get your guys thoughts on these movies a little bit. And the first I'm going to say the most obvious is talk to me. Um, yeah. I, I mean, people are acting like talk to me is fucking, I don't know. They, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't understand like the, uh, the, the level of praise that talk to me is getting. Um, I liked it. I thought talk I thought to me it was, was fine. Like I yeah. thought it was one of the better ones this year for sure. There's there's aspects of it that rated on me. Basically anything to do with Gen Z and the whole TikTok. He, I didn't like that. I get why they did it. I just don't like it. But I, I for example, I like that when the protagonist starts seeing her mother and her mother's like urging her to do bad things. They don't ever clear up that you know. Hey, maybe this is an imposter. It's like now nah, maybe your mom was just piece of shit and that's why she's a demon <laughs> yeah. you know i i like that i like i so the the eerier aspects of it i thought were cool the mm. premise i think is cool enough and uh on the whole uh, with the except you know it was the opposite case with evil dead rise where like the first 30 minutes i'm like oh god why am i myself <laughs> and then once we got out of that i really enjoyed the movie i thought it was uh successful as a whole yeah i film. think it's fine i think it's fine like that's the thing about it. i watched it i was like this is fine like this is has some interesting aspects to it. The premise is Hollywood loves a concept, dog. They love the they love the a high like they, the term high concept. They love that idea, like oh, it's a hand that you can grab, and it's fucking like it's it's so like they can't resist that kind of shit, right? They're like it's it's a franchise, it's built in. So I get that it's got the A twenty four sheen to it. Uh, mm. You know, the sequel coming, right? They got the sequel already greenlit, right? Um, these yeah. guys are, I guess, YouTubers. So I guess by default, like they're like, this is the most successful YouTuber movie. 
Yep. And boy, are they annoying. I I had to listen to them on the impulsive podcast. They went on Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan was just like not tolerating their energy at all. He was the exact opposite. So yeah. yeah. So good I mean, for them, I guess. I, yeah. I mean, I'm again, it's not a bad movie. I don't blame people for putting it. I just will not. I just don't think it's the, the next coming of whatever. You know, I've not, I've seen people be like, this is my favorite movie in 10 years. But I say that about everything. So, uh, yeah fine fine film i don't if it's in people's top 10 i don't really care i mean did, I don't you, care. did either of you guys see uh five nights at freddy's by any chance only parts of it uh possibly it, yeah. I, I i saw someone put that in their list and i was and they were grown and i was just like shame on you <laughs> I, I put like, that on just because i was this like is, all this right is for my kids like, like yeah yeah. Like, like, yeah that's what it's for like you know what i'm saying it's not it's, it's gateway horror if you want to call it that uh uh, it's not really for adults. I mean, I mean, the complaint I heard is that it's nothing like the video game. <laughs> That's what I heard. That was like a negative review. I'm, I was shocked it performed so well when it yeah. dropped the same day on Peacock. And it's like, yeah. who, who are your stars? Josh Hutcherson, who hasn't really been in a movie in 10 years. Kids love Five Nights at Freddy's. Like, I think people yeah. really underestimate how much they love that movie. They love it like they love fucking Sonic and Mario. Like, mm. like, so it, it's going to do like kids are going to watch it, especially if they make it. Like they did. They didn't make it R-rated. Like they made it for kids. Like it's a success just based off that. So yeah, I get that. Um, the other ones that I we I saw, Bo is Afraid, which is not a fucking horror movie, right? No. Right. No. It's just, so I get it. Ari Aster directed it, but like, why is this on people's list other than the fact that Ari Aster directed it? It's kind of fucking irks me a little bit that this movie's appearing on people's list. And the same thing with Godzilla minus one. Like. I get it. Like, it's a weak year for the genre, I guess, overall. But, like, there's no excuse to put these movies on the fucking best horror movie. It's on fucking Rolling Stone. I mean, I guess, like, uh, I mean, they did put Skin Marine, which isn't a movie at all, as their number one. <laughs> so I can't, you know, but, but you know, like, there's just certain movies that kind of came out this year that really kind of, like, I saw people throwing around there. And I'm really, like, which bothers me uh a little bit bothers probably too strong of a word it's just one of those things that i see horror people do a lot where i'm like you can't take that movie <laughs> like you don't get to adopt adopt this movie like like you live over here in the little horror world and take the shit that y'all have don't try to like sneak in this shit because you want some kind of sh uh, a, a sheen of respectability you know what i'm saying that's why i feel like the godzilla minus one is it's like the sheen of respectability because people like mm -hmm. Godzilla minus one and it's an actual movie apparently. So like, uh, they're like, Oh, we it's horror. Cause it's got God's like, when have we ever classified any Kaiju movie as a horror movie? Like yeah. outside of like ones that are like found footage ones, like Cloverfield or whatever, like there's that actually not horror movies. And it's just weird that like, I keep seeing people try and shoehorn every year too, every year. Like they do this <laughs> like every year they throw in ones that we know, aren't horror movies and they do it over and over again which again goes back to what lowers was saying at the top of this episode which is why do they have to do a 10 horrors every every year like like this year even though i just did 10 because it annoyed me i was like there's got to be 10 better movies than these people are saying uh there sh probably shouldn't have been a 10 10 horror movies or anything this year but uh this is the state of horror as as a, as a genre right now which is like yeah if you got to throw in fucking uh Evil Dead Rise, which is fine, okay. That that is a literal horror movie. But if you got to throw in, uh, 
what's one that's another horror adjacent movie besides the, the two I just named? Obviously, Godzilla minus one, Boa's Afraid. But there's another one that I keep seeing and I can't, I'm blanking on it. Uh, or at least I've saw it a couple times that really I'm like, is that a really a horror fucking movie? Uh, it's to me, it's just like, regardless, it's just like cope. Like, it's just like cope. It's like, um, just don't do a list. Like, just don't do a list. It's that simple. Like, just do a best of. Of our, by, by the way, uh, when are you guys going to do your best of the year movies? <laughs> oh, um, we well, we got a show planned for tomorrow. I don't mm. think that's going to be it. It'll probably be whatever comes right immediately following. So within the next two weeks, there's going to be a list that drops okay. where I'm very curious because Hans's list was so radically different than mine mm. the year before. Yeah. Um, are you guys going to do a uh, top 20 or a top? Are you just fucking freestyling it? Just see where you see where you land. Th- we'll probably do ten. We'll probably cap 10, it at ten with a couple 10. of honorable yeah. mentions. I mean, Hans, have you even seen ten movies from twenty twenty three? Yeah, I have. Uh, I don't know if I would put them on the top though. Uh, that's the thing. I feel like if it wasn't the last year, it was the year before where I was like, I have six movies that I liked, so I'm just gonna talk about these six movies, and I like I'm not just gonna put movies on it just to have a ten. Right. Uh, but. But because I like if it was just a horror movie list for this year, I would have like three or four maybe that I that I can recommend. Uh, but uh, there is still a lot of Oscar Beatty or big movies that I haven't seen. So I, I need to catch up on that before that that episode, because uh, otherwise I feel like it would be not as, as accurate, maybe just because I've, I've stayed away from from those bigger uh, Oscar Beatty movies. Uh, but I know that there's some there that are actually good so i i have to get around to that uh, otherwise I will my, say this the, is gonna be shit the crop of oscar bait this year is definitely better than most years yeah at least in the yeah. past like 15 or so uh like killers of the flower moon mm-hmm. and may december yeah. holdovers uh you know that that whole lineup has been pretty strong overall but those are all like links. but those are all like fucking like tenured filmmaker you yeah. know what i'm saying like oh, yeah. those are all like guys who've been making movies for the past fucking 30 years dropping movies you know what i'm saying so it's like it's funny like yeah this is a strong year but it's like yes yeah, because the people who know how to make movies are making them <laughs> like, yeah. you know there doesn't saying? seem to be any like chloe zows in the mix yeah, that yeah, just yeah. artificially propelling right. they don't to have the these fake inflated motherfuckers they've been propping up you know what mm-hmm. i mean like uh this year is like you got heavy hitters you know you've got heavy hitters dropping movies you know fucking yeah like uh was it May, December with Todd, uh, fucking, how do you say his name? Todd Haynes. <laughs> Todd Haynes did holdovers, yeah. right? Uh, no, no, no. Alexander no, no. Payne did holdovers. Alexander Payne did holdovers. Mm-hmm. Todd Haynes did May, December. Uh, in the yes. next course, you got, obviously, Scorsese, Michael Mann, Fincher. You got all these motherfuckers putting out movies now, like, and you're just like, oh, like, this is a year that, like, all of these guys are finally putting out a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's good to see that as opposed to, like, Again, yeah, Chloe Zhao and you know Emerald Finall would probably have been nominated for Saltburn if if these guys weren't putting movies out right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, uh, which we don't need another another year of that. I mean, no, you'll get Greta <laughs> Gerwig in there for for Barbie. It, it, I mean, that's the thing too. Oh, yeah. Is like I think a lot of the commercial movies mm-hmm. that are going to be nominated for Best Picture and thrown into these categories, which would otherwise feel kind of pandering. Like, hey, we need to get that youthful audience. Let's get them in here so the ratings go up. I feel like even those will probably deserve it this year. I think we'll we'll get a pretty solid lineup. Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm much like Hans with the, the the start of this year is more about catching up with some of the bigger 
releases toward the end of the 2023 for me i've been like okay now i guess i'll finally watch oppenheimer um i guess you know what i mean like <laughs> uh movies like that where i'm like i'm finally gonna go ahead and probably watch that uh and just catch still haven't I haven't taken the what three hours, three and a half hours to watch that or whatever. Well, I watched like... I I watched Killers of a Flower Moon and Ferrari, which are yeah. long as fuck. So I'm already so oh, is Ferrari like, also three hours? I mean it's not three, but it's like two and change, it's like two and eleven or something like that. It's not as long as fucking Killers of Flowers Moon, but but uh I really did like Killers of Flowers Moon. I thought it was uh, I thought it was great. I won't great. I won't stand for anyone bad mouthing that movie. I, I, it's I probably it's probably fantastic. my number it's right now it's probably the number one movie for me i still got some more movies to watch but it's probably, it's it's close there's a, there's about there. four contenders for it's me a, yes it's up there for me and, and i will say uh paul schrader uh said some you know he's a, a very entertaining uh online great social media <laughs> presence mm. uh he said something very interesting that i kind of thought was kind of cool when i thought about it he was like he was actually criticized you know him and scorsese go back obviously and they're friends or whatever but he was his criticism was interesting he was like I just don't really like following Leonardo DiCaprio being dumb for three hours. And he was like, it would have been better if the roles were switched and Leo was the cop and fucking Cheddar Bob, uh, fucking, uh, <laughs> Jesse Plemons, Jesse Plemons was fucking, uh, Leo's character. And I thought about that and I was like, you know what? Kind of works. Kind of yeah. works. You well, know, it's funny more, it's he suggested. It's more obvious. It's more obvious. That, but yeah. that was the plan. That was mm. the original plan. It was a totally different script. Leo was going to be that guy. Mm. And then Leo was like, actually, I, I really connect with this guy here. And they yeah. reworked the whole script. I like Leo. I like Leo in it. I think he's, I think yeah. he does a great job playing a, basically a, a fucking smooth brain, fucking, you know, fucking mm -hmm. hayseed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like a <laughs> fucking hayseed, goofy fuck. I really thought he was great in it. And honestly, if I was Leo, I probably would have made the same decision because it's a much more meteor role. You get more yeah. fucking screen time and like, well, it, no, yeah. it would have been a completely different perspective, perspective. with the Clemens character as mm -hmm. the lead character investigating mm -hmm. it. So it, it would have been a, Completely different film. I love De Niro in the movie. De Niro's I, great. It's the best. De Niro's so good. But that's what I said. That's what I said my my review was just not even a review. It's just like yo, De Niro always shows up for Scorsese. He's been on fucking coast mode for like doing shit movies and just being horrible and like getting a paycheck. And then Scorsese shows up with the movie with some with something for him to do, and he's like good again. It's like oh, so yeah. he's you know what I mean? Like again, it comes back to what I was saying about Spike. Like some of these guys, you're just like they still got it. I don't mm -hmm. think so. And De Niro was one of those guys where I was like, man, he's probably done. But then he shows up with Marty and he's fucking great. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to he should get nominated for this movie. Again. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I, like, it, it really pales in comparison where it's like you're watching Joker and you're kind of like convincing yourself like, yeah, he's actually trying. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, no, he's not here. He's actually doing something. Right, he's right, got right. a little Max Katie. He's got that yeah. character from. Uh, what was it? This Boy's Life, the Tobias Wolf movie where he acted with Leo. It was a little yeah. bit of that dynamic, too. Uh, and his character is just so good. So it's great. not even it doesn't even feel like the his performance in Joker in comparison to this movie, to that movie is so it's like it doesn't even feel like the same actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, he's sleepwalking what? through that movie. Yeah, he's like completely sleepwalking. He's like, this is fucking Todd Haynes. This is the fucking mm -hmm. director of The Hangover. I don't give a <laughs> yeah. fuck. <laughs> give me my check. This karaoke version of the King of Comedy. OK, let's. Uh, let's yeah, it's like any time. Oh, God, what's his name? Uh, who got outed for touching his trans niece's tit? 
and cast Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence in all those movies. Oh, and he would just uh, he would Silver Linings in. Playbook guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, David O. Russell. David O. Russell. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think so. Oh, Russell. I think so. Yeah, it's, yeah. David, yeah something Any, like that. David Russell. Anytime he would Russell. throw in De Niro, like trying to make De Niro his guy, like you could just tell De Niro's not into it at all. He's just, again, he's on autopilot for the movie. But yeah, it's it's not that situation at all. It's him actually getting invested in a character that's not like himself, that mm -hmm. doesn't require him to just be, hey, we're using your name. Just pop in front of the poster. We're going to sell this movie. It's him trying something, and uh, I really appreciated that. Yeah, I was I was pleasantly pleasantly su like surprised that De Niro uh, was good. <laughs> like I've gotten yeah. so used to him not being good anymore. I was like, oh yeah, De Niro's really good. Like he can he can still fucking act. Holy shit! Uh, I think that's a good that's a good a good point to wrap it up. Uh, yeah. Um, thanks again, guys, for for coming on and talking. I know I know it's. I feel bad making anyone talk about horror movies, uh, <laughs> uh, specifically um, who aren't like steeped in horror. Um, like some of the people I do know, it's like, okay, like you love this shit. Like, but I didn't want to have an episode with someone who loved this shit because they probably disagree with me that hmm. these lists are garbage. Like, you know what I mean? So um, yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks again. Um, you guys know that if you've ever listened to an episode of this podcast that I probably am the worst at ending episodes. So I don't ever end them correctly. So the Stephen King of podcasts. Yes. I yeah, Laura's got it. I me and Stephen King suck at endings. He sucks at ending books. I suck at ending podcasts. Hopefully that translates into a career successful in some degree in some other facility of, of writing shit. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, as always, um, thanks. And uh, and yeah, yes. this is this is uh, the end of the episode. Uh, it's over. Get get get, get a life. Bye. <laughs> this shit too decent. Scale of one to ten, she a ten piece. Usually I'm the one with the groovies. Shawty so bad when it switch seats. Shawty so bad that our birthday two weeks. We ain't got a sneaker, we do link. I don't see you tripping, our baby too poochy. Don't post nothing, keep it all exclusive. Shit, my life like a Marvel movie. Dog ain't the boss, he a laundry door. Painkiller like my tooth got pulled. Hope my bitch like two like crew. If you do that shit, then I never do it. Mayweather money, I never was losing. Let the men in with the medicine juice. Cup in the sewer like teenage milk. Look, little tired of my twin shit, I'm tryna get Ruby. Dropped out of school, cause no bro people school me. Caught on my shit and stopped making excuses. Hundred racks in his all blue, that's a tookie. He still ain't hot, then the label couldn't do it. his ass down, he could've been juicy. Me and all the gang, Gilly need to interview me. Man, my life like an Austin movie. Trap house swing like a bar saloon. Hatin' ass nigga got his heart into it. Try to leave me alone, but it's hard to do. Money in my life bring problems to it. Since I met you, feel kinda lucky. I love drugs, so it's hard to love me. Cup all red like a target boogie. And I still young, only 2 a.m. Let's get it started like Will I Young. Picture me rolling like Macaville. Not in no bins, all the Tesla hell. Bitch, we the wages like Bigaville. My money longer than Telegram. Hitch, I ain't little like Teddy Graham. My money big just like precious ass. Glock out of 30 like Roxy Pill. She with a gang, she don't want a man. FBG with me like Zona Man. I wanna fuck, I don't wanna dance. You ain't gotta give me no romance, girl. Leave all that shit for your boyfriend. I don't go back for a broke bitch. Hold right now, I'm litter than left that mansion. I'm litter than left that mansion. I'm litter than left that mansion. 
I done go back and forth with no broke hoe, bitch, I'm lit Free little choice, time getting young Soon as you touch, we gon' turn back up